On this episode, we discuss Critters. The second best movie featuring Critters. <laughs> Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey! It's me, Stuart Wellington. Oh, okay. That's who that was. I'm Elliot Kalin. No jokes. And? And we are joined by a very special guest today. I'm so excited that he's here. Let me let me lay out these credits. Writer-director of uh, Psycho Goreman and Manborg. Co-writer, co-director of The Void and Father's Day. Director of Leprechaun <laughs> Returns. And he's the FX artist who melted Nicolas Cage's face in Mandy. And he's also a buddy of mine. That's the best credit you can ever have. Steve Kostansky, thank Aww. you. Hey guys, thanks very much I don't know uh, you, for having me. It's an honor honor to be here. I mean, I don't know why you said awe when you said that's the best credit you could ever have because really when you think about it, he's complimenting himself. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like friend, friendship is the greatest gift of all and I appreciate it. Uh-huh. That's why, sure, that's why we're friends. That, <laughs> specifically, his friendship is the greatest gift of all. That's what Stu yeah. says, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, what Stu says goes. My, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Stu's rules. Uh, <laughs> and my therapist is all about helping me establish Stu's rules, a.k.a. boundaries. A.k.a. stools. <laughs> stools, He wants yeah. healthy stools. Stools, stools, yeah. Cool. Stu's stools. They're healthy. Mm-hmm. They're firm, but not too firm. It's, uh-huh. it's it's everything you need in a stool. Uh-huh. Stools, They're cool, stools. not for fools. They're appropriately long. <laughs> Slide out easy. Yeah. Find them in school. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, oh, wow. So what are we doing this here, podcast, this is, Dan? <laughs> this is mostly a double entendre podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it is also a podcast. Guys, how has there never been a James Bond, a James Bond lady named Double Entendre? How has that not been the name of a character? I mean, it must have been on the fucking whiteboard for one of the Austin Powers sequels, right? Yeah, you're right. Probably, probably. And they just didn't get to it, and they're like, fuck, okay, next one for and Austin there Powers. there never was a next one. There's going to be, right? There's gonna, it's going to get a, a like a, a, a... reboot? Yeah, like a legacy sequel where it's like, not a sequel of the second or third one, but the first one only. Now, <laughs> here's, so they can bring back Liz Hurley. <laughs> no, they're going to do the thing, first they're going to do the thing where it's Austin Powers Jr., and it's a kid, like a kid prequel character. People are going to fucking yeah, hate Yeah, a real, real James Bond Jr. scenario. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> James, yeah J- James Bond Jr., of course, was James Bond's nephew, so the junior aspect is a strange yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a mystery. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's because James Bond famously uh, was celibate, right? James Bond's yeah. brother's... James Bond's brother's wife is like, I would like to name our son James Bond Jr., and her husband's <laughs> like, uh, I don't... Feel comfortable with that? I'm not sure. I understand what's going on. <laughs> Just go with it. Uh, and uh, yeah. the kid, the kid had a drinking problem too, right? Yeah. In James Bond Junior, yeah, yeah, he also had a, a drinking problem. Yeah, and he was he was horrified by the things he'd seen and the things he'd mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Well, I was about to explain the the show, and none of these things are related really to the. Well, show. this I is mean, mostly kinda, a James Bond this... Junior kind of retcon <laughs> podcast where we do a I gritty mean... reboot of James Bond oh, Junior. Just a I guess deep dive accurate. into James Bond Junior. Yeah, that's what I came. <laughs> we are for. more of a digression podcast into the things yeah. you know we sort of remember. Now here's 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 the only reason I wish James Bond Junior had been more successful because then it could have gotten yeah, yeah. silly and we'd have gotten. 
Pappy Pappy Bond, the old man yeah. James Bond, who would tag on it, tag along for adventures. Yeah, it was not a secret agent. He would just go with them on adventures. That's my guess, but we never got to see that. Yeah. And then there'd be like a super gritty old man Bond thing, where like it's like super like X rated and shit, and you see his dong. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> like and course, Logan. And, and I was gonna say we'd go in the other direction. It'd be you James see his dong and Logan. No, you don't. They they okay. they couldn't. He was so dehydrated, it would look it. like a little raisin. <laughs> <laughs> is that what happens when what? you're dehydrated? <laughs> yeah. It raisins up. Is it like- yeah, It's that small in the pool, though, so that, that, wait a minute. That, that male an- that, that's yeah. a temperature thing. It doesn't yeah, add yeah, up. Pool, that male anatomy is like one of those like uh, water snake tubes that kids can play with. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. I mean, yep. I guess in a certain sense it's true since it's filled with bladders of, of, of liquid. That liquid Not being bladders. blood in this case. Not bladders, that your bladder is- in the shaft. A bladder okay. is a term that can be used for, like, like you know, you use a bladder in, like, special effects for us. Anything no, no, that's no, I, I, know, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, master special effects on Dan McCoy. I want to hear Dan Dan explain special effects to Steve Kostansky a little bit more. There's not key bladders <laughs> in the... Anyway. Oh, that's how they work. Well, we've gotten Dan, Dan tell him what a squib is. Announce. Make sure he knows what a squib is. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't telling him what it was. I was telling you who seemed to be confused about my usage of the word bladder. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You know that sometimes the blood in movies is fake. Uh-huh. <laughs> only, a, someti- a, only sometimes. sometimes, sometimes. It's a bit of movie only sometimes. It's, yeah, like it's yeah. The old-time fake blood, it was made out of Robert, it was Robert Caro syrup. That's Caro syrup <laughs> made out of the blood of Robert Caro. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Robert Caro, of course, one of America's great biographers. <laughs> Thank you for giving us due respect at the end of that. Yeah, in case he's listening and is about to get pissed off. Yeah, I didn't want him to get mad. And suddenly he'd be yelling at his wife, Ina. Ina, I need to write an a angry letter to the Flophowers. Robert. He's got a heavy accent. Get back to writing about LBJ. Don't waste time with us. Please. So what do we do Robert on this Caroff. podcast, Dan? Wait, I just want to say, if Robert Carroll, if you are listening, please stop listening and finish that last book on LBJ. I want to read it so badly, and I want you to finish it before you can no longer write books. Dan, yeah. what do we do on this podcast, as Stu said? Uh, this is a podcast where, well, normally we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. In this no. case, we watch a movie that I think, I, I think it's fair to say, ahead of time, I don't know where everyone's going to land on this reviewing, but we all have affection for this movie of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Critters. We were watching it because of a contest winner who has been <laughs> tweeting at us under the handle Do Critters Next for years uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, finally got their dream by winning a, a Flophouse contest and forcing our hand, forcing uh, us to do Critters Next, yeah. which is now. This, twi- this Twitter critter finally got their dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, can, I can only assume this Twitter critter also used the same handle for his OnlyFans account that he messages <laughs> various performers. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we watched, uh, the movie Critters from the eighties. Yeah. Uh, from 1986 specifically. Let's narrow mm-hmm. it down. It, it, it didn't Guys, get released every year. Stars, the yeah, of the uh, D Wallace, uh, I got a kid who became Scott Grimes. No, no, <laughs> I got D, a, wait, wait, the way you said that, Dan, it makes it sound like D Wallace was the kid who became Scott Grimes. No. <laughs> Those are two separate people. This is Guys, D Wallace, uh, D Wallace, uh, continuing her, her, uh, Scream Queen. Scream Queen and like Dis- kind of distraught like, 80s mom. Kind of like kind Scream of, yeah. Mom performances. Yeah. That's what I was Scream saying. Like Scream Mom. Mom. Yeah. yeah. Scream Mom yeah. style of uh, character. Yeah. Oh, what a good idea for a TV show. Scream Mom. <laughs> yeah. 
So we mentioned that this movie came out in 1986, and it's time for Stuart to make a little bit of online uh, on-air apology. Because okay. a few episodes ago, I mentioned that the Iron Maiden album uh, Somewhere in Time came out in 1987. It actually came out in 1986 as some very, let's say, helpful people on the internet were reminding me. <laughs> totally cool dudes. Everybody's cool. Yeah, Stu, not, uh, to be fair. Not annoying. To be fair to them, Stu, you did, you did uh, uh, create a— Unique injustice in the world, a huge mm -hmm. injustice by misnumbering the year of that Iron Maiden album. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, they, they were all very cool, chill about it, <laughs> cool dudes. Um, okay. Uh, oh, of course. Now, uh, uh, I want to say something about critters to return to the <laughs> subject. Wait, of before this. we do that, I will say, I also. No, Dan I also, just pulled out his phone, so buckle up. I also <laughs> want to apologize for an Iron Maiden related mistake I made on a different podcast on our sister Maximum Fun podcast, Be Potting You. I mentioned that Iron Maiden had written a song about the TV show The Prisoner. As a, as a genuinely helpful person on Twitter who was very polite about it, re reminded me they had two songs at least about The Prisoner, the TV Wait, show. Wait, there's yeah. two? There's The Prisoner and there's Back in the Village. And I had forgotten oh, The Prisoner. I'd only remembered Back in the Village. But anyway. Inside us all, there are two Iron Maiden songs about The Prisoner. <laughs> One good. They're both pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, no, I just wanted to say that this uh, the director of Critters, Stephen Herrick, has kind of an interesting career because came out of the gate strong with Critters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, Don't Tell Mom the Baby's Babysitter's Dead. Wow. Getting weaker, but often <laughs> still uh, fucking I mean, bangers. Still memorable. Still a, we got, a, a, a I don't know if I'd say guys, cult classic, but a, I can't, a fondly I can't stress this enough. In Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, that babysitter dies in like the first five minutes. Yeah. That's incredible. Cut to the chase yeah. and the chase being the chase across the river sticks. I don't know. Well, but anyway. that's the thing is I, is I really appreciate when a movie does that. For instance, I was while watching Critters, I was like, and we'll get to this when we talk about the movie, they spend a lot of time hiding what the critters look like when the poster mm -hmm. just shows a critter yeah. standing right there. And it's That like, was a weird move. It's, it's edging, dude. And I just love that in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, they're like, you know the babysitter's gonna die. Let's just get it over with. <laughs> yeah, Let's like in Drive, my, drive my Car, this dude's in a car like immediately. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, to quickly wrap up the filmography portion. As in he, Golden Eye, James Bond just shoves that gold right in his <laughs> eye in the first yeah. scene. <laughs> Uh, the Mighty Ducks, a big hit. Yeah. Uh, the Disney Chris O'Donnell Three Musketeers, l lesser. Ooh, okay. But uh, then a bid for respectability with Mr. Holland's Opus. Uh, a lot of people fond of that. I mean, uh, that's 101 a big, that's Dalmatians a, was a big hit. Just, yeah, these just are, yeah. To, to have done Critters and Mr. Holland's Opus in one career. It's kind of like, I mean, it's like Wes Craven yeah. doing Nightmare on Elm Street and also that uh, Violin of the Heart movie or whatever it's called, Music of the Heart. You know the one I'm talking about, yeah. with the violins. Sure. Uh, Freddie's right. in that one, right? But that's <laughs> yeah. about it's called, it's called <laughs> Freddie's recital, and it's got Shocker in it too. Yeah. That's sort of <laughs> yeah. when post one hundred and one Dalmatians, a bit of a, a, a downturn. You got Holy Man, Rockstar, Ooh. and uh, Man Ooh. of the House, all one after another. So that kind of seemed to have uh, killed off his sort of major motion picture career. But you know. It's, Bills. And unfortunately, Rockstar, Rockstar, I think, killed off for a while at least the chance of getting a real biopic about Judas Priest, which is too bad because that's something I'd love to see. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like this will, we'll, as we go through the movie, I'm sure we'll mention some of the, uh, the the cast. I mean, we got Billy Zane. We have Lynn Shay, who's been in like, I think she's been in oh, the yeah. most movies out of anyone in this movie. Well, because it's a new line cinema movie, so obviously yeah. Bob Shea's going to put her in there. <laughs> and the thing but is, she's awesome. you know it's a new line cinema movie because, at least the version I watched, you get both new line logos, the current yes. one and the oh, awesome wow. and the old one. one. Oh. Yeah, that was nice. the one I watched just had the old one. And, uh, oh, okay. Uh, oh, I love that logo. Because you're watching so like spooky. a— 
You're watching like a like a steel book or something, right? You're watching like <laughs> No, I was I got my friend Pierce to stream it last night so we could oh, all okay. watch it and chat while watching it. So I guess he uh, he found a copy that was just the original logo, which is the best new line logo. Now, Steve, before we get into the plot of the movie, do you have any particular uh attachment to critters? Do you have all the did you have critters dolls growing up? What's up? I mean, it's the same attachment that I have to like any other small monster movie from that mm-hmm. era. Uh I mean, it came out the year I was born, so I wasn't like, like uh, ghoulies, munchies, yeah. gremlins, yeah, all that yes. stuff. It all was just kind of like orbiting around me in the video store growing up as a kid. Uh, I remember my friend Kieran pushing it on me and uh, being like, "Oh, you're gonna love this movie!" And like he was really hyping up the like bounty hunters like subplot, being mm-hmm. like, "That's something yep. you'd be into." And uh, yeah, I just remember as a kid watching it and being really confused why they were leaning so hard into that one song for like the first half yeah. of the movie. And yeah. I can, what is it, Power of the Night? Power yeah, of the Night? Power, yeah, Power of the Night. And upon rewatch, still kind of a baffling choice. Mm. So. I love it. I can't, I can't get that, enough. That yum, 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 yum. seems like they're, they're trying very hard to make a hit song out of this, out of this movie. But what's, yeah. what's crazy, though, is that they push it so hard for the first like 30 minutes where it's even to the point where D Wallace is watching the yeah. music video and on and the you, TV. They're building it up. Like he is the Johnny Steele is the biggest star in the world. And then yeah. nobody recognizes him until yeah. the kid. And it was <laughs> like, well, rec- this was, well, what was the point of that even then? Yeah. And then also they drop it and then pick up the actual like critters theme partway through the movie. Yeah, and then the movie yeah. ends with that. So it's almost like they had like, a falling out with that Power of the Night song partway through, and we're like, you know what? We're not even going to put you in the credits because we don't like you anymore. It's a See, very it's a, weird it's a, choice. It's a leitmotif for when the bounty hunters leave, they no longer play Power of the Night because that is the that song represents the bounty hunters. Ah, ah. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very Wagner. Here's yeah, the thing. It's, it's, that we, tracks. We, we should mention this is part of the uh, craze of 80s, small monsters. It was the Reagan era. Big government and big monster were out. Small government and small monster was in. We know how Reagan pushed the, you know, he deregulated monsters and then yes. let all these smaller <laughs> monsters to proliferate. Slip in, yeah, People slip wanted in. these small monsters. And I think it's very funny that, so like this movie came out two years after Gremlins. Everyone is like, this is a ripoff of Gremlins. And the makers of the film are like, we had this script before Gremlins came out. But the script is essentially, it's basically the story of what E.T. was originally going to be when it was still called yeah. Watch the Skies. So the D. Wallace connection is very funny to me there because it's like it's more a ripoff of the unproduced script for the early version of E.T. than it is a Gremlins ripoff. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they've also used that excuse for Ghoulies as well because I believe did that come out like around the same time as Gremlins or maybe just after? But it's, people label it as a ripoff, but actually it was written before. But it's apparently. also it's also one of those things that's such a it's not a real excuse because it's not like when a movie is released that's the first time anyone hears about it. Like movie makers know yeah. what kinds of movies are being made and if they know a big company is making a movie about a certain topic they may suddenly take interest in a script that maybe they weren't Well, that's that the other thing. Before. Like, it yeah, may not exactly. have been a, a rip-off, but it, it can still be a cash-in if they're yes. like, oh, we have this unproduced script that is a bunch of little monsters in a small town. Speaking of which... Now, little uh, monsters, ironically... <laughs> The monsters are not that little. No, no they're human normal sized. Sized. They're human yeah. sized yeah. monsters. They're Howie Mandel sized. They're taller than the human character who's mm-hmm. a child. It's, I just wanted to say because Munchies has been invoked twice, I I found that the uh, daughter character, the teen daughter, that actress mm-hmm. was also in Munchies. So she has uh, two, uh, you know, 
two of these uh, small monsters. Yeah, yeah, she's hits under her belt. She's a pro. Yeah, hits now, might she, be a little strong. She for munchies, was in. But. She was in Munchies the month that the or Munchie because they're two different. Yeah, because they're very different. Uh, yeah. I think Munchies. Munchie is the, the cute one, right? Uh, I mean, the, is a is an interesting way to describe. I mean, well, it's supposed <laughs> to be cute. Yeah. He flies around on a pizza. It's pretty cute. <laughs> Munchie is the one. What it's what Dom DeLuise doing the voice? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. No, uh, she's in the movie. Harvey Corman one. <laughs> yeah, Munchies. yeah, the one where it's uh, the little monsters looking up a lady's skirt right yeah. on the bus. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the monster, the monsters, like high like, tops. The monsters in these posters, they're always doing things that are, except for gremlins, that the gremlins do amazing stuff. The monsters are always doing things that are so much more goofy and uh, movement based than they actually do in the films. Oh, except for critters, which is just he's just like doing a like a star pose, right? He's just yeah. standing the there critters, looking amazing. He's, he's just like, I'm a critter. Gotta looking love incredible. Me, you get to ladies. yeah, you see every inch of him. And it's amazing. Talking about the, <laughs> the look of the critters, I just want to say, is it uh, Stephen, maybe you know, is it Chiodo Brothers? How is that pronounced? I believe uh, it's Chiodo Brothers. Yes. Yeah, they uh, so they, you know, known Amongst cult film favorites uh, for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, yep. but mm-hmm. like they did, they designed um, the the creators, the Krites, and uh, yes. supposedly they're supposed to be like the Tasmanian Devil from Looney Tunes was kind of the inspiration for the tracks. I, I mean, I will, sense. I will give them a lot of credit for their uh, kind of like in-world way of making the move with them balling up and like basically mm-hmm. turning into a sonic ball and ripping around <laughs> because it's such an easy way to just get them from point A to point B, literally just throwing a fur ball yes. uh, like down a hallway. It's such a brilliant production solution, yeah, that you don't have to try to make a puppet walk anywhere. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it's very hard to make a puppet walk and not look like Tilda Swinton in old man makeup in Suspiria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's a funny coincidence that we're talking about this movie right now because I am literally in the thick of building so many puppets and trying to figure out this exact thing. And so watching Critters last night, I was like, oh, yeah, they like <laughs> really don't. all balls. <laughs> yeah, or just, yeah, I was thinking like maybe I'll just make the guys ball up and shoot around. Because, yeah, it. making a puppet walk is... It is a very frustrating Especially thing. Especially because you, you're working on a Popples movie, right? So they should, mm-hmm. should just ball up into little yeah. balls, you know? You would think that, yeah. But Guys, it really we're talking, made... we're talking about these little aliens. Sorry to cut you off, Steve, but I think we need to go into outer space. Yes, this movie begins in outer space. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess we're going, that was a very abrupt yeah. entry into the summary segment. Oh, I I St- Stuart was tired of all our shenanigans. Too many shenanigans, yeah. not enough plot. That's what that's what I always say. <laughs> that's so what, that's why op- you've walked out of so many Terrence Malick movies. Mm-hmm. Too many shenanigans, not <laughs> Too enough Too many plot. shenanigans, yep. Uh, yeah, so we open on a maximum security prison asteroid. Uh, we overhear uh, communications uh, that there's be, uh, there are some new prisoners being transferred. It is eight Krites uh, who immediately cause an explosion and a uh, they escape. I'd like to take a moment to say there's supposed to be 10 Krites, but apparently they just killed two along the way because they were eating too much stuff, which is, is interesting to me in this like intergalactic uh, prison system where I it's, guess you're it's just still allowed terrible, to kill just prisoners. like our prison system. Well, <laughs> yeah. question, well, it's really I mean, they're the big, on an asteroid. The big question of the whole movie is why are they bothering to take the critters to a prison? Because the solution to yeah. the rest of it is just to blow them up. So yeah, they seems, seem to be the, treated more like invasive like pests than yes. yeah. Sentient the beings. mythos around them is very hazy. Where sometimes they seem to have personality and are treated like sentient beings and then yeah other times they're like bugs that need to be exterminated i mean they get subtitles so they can they talk get to subtitles. one another so yes. i guess yeah so anyway 
Uh, I don't know whatever this intergalactic federation is, but mm-hmm. they also seem to be uh, criminals in in my moral. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They have no, and they hire bounty hunters. They have no, they don't seem to have actual mm-hmm. guards or a police force. It's just that was you know, their first solution was bringing the bounty hunters. <laughs> bringing the bounty hunters. So uh, I want to admit something that I this movie it's been so long since I saw it as a kid that I might as well have not even seen it. I remember it so, so I remembered it so little, and so I had no memory of the prison warden and how bonkers that costume. <laughs> Yeah. and how great it looks. And I was like, hold on a second, I forgot this was in here. Oh, the, yeah. This whole opening to me, I just want to say, is like probably the my favorite part of the movie. I would yeah. argue probably the best executed sequence in the movie. It really starts strong, and it checks all the boxes of things that I want in a movie, which is like weird intergalactic like universe building. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're coming into a story like partway through where they're escaping. We don't really see like how they get there. And also having an establishing shot of the asteroid with a really cartoony like prison door shutting sound (laughs) over top. Like basically when that happened, I was like, okay, you have my attention, critters. Here we go. And then then when the warden comes out and it's like a, I would say like a- It's like Mojo without legs. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Like Mojo, like like, like a, like a, the, an embryonic dolphin man in a chair and the chair Mm -hmm. is part of its body. Like it's, Yeah. yeah, it's a fantastic design. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so... And here's the, the thing. Wait, I should point this out. The critter's uh-huh. super hairy. This guy, super smooth and hairless. That's yeah, called, that's, just, that's called dynamics. That's when mm-hmm. you juxtapose two different textures. Yeah. That's dynamics. <laughs> that's just beautifully done. Hair Natural is enemies. chaos and smoothness is justice. That's mm-hmm. what the movie's saying. The, uh, the crites escape in the <laughs> hair fastest Hair is chaos ship. Is, a good, is a good logo for a like an oppressive alien race in, in a yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like post-apocalyptic uh, like graffiti sprayed on the walls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where you're like, wow, this is really ex- extensive. Normally, graffiti's just like one word, all crazy style. Um, okay. <laughs> just bubble letters, yeah, but they've yeah. got a whole ideology behind this graffiti, yeah. Uh, so the warden who we've already talked about, who looks amazing, uh, brings in a pair of bounty hunters and these bounty hunters look super cool. They got like cool leather dusters and these weird long extendo guns that hang from their hips and they are like weird blanks. Like their faces are like, like blank, uh, like rubber masks Mm -hmm. because they're sort of blank men. Yeah. Because they're shit. Wait a minute. (laughs) uh, Because they're shapeshifters. Um, they're like, uh, what's it, No Face and Dick Tracy? Exactly mm-hmm. like No Face and Dick Tracy. Thank you. But they also like glow a little bit, which is yeah. cool. I like that effect. Um, and they are given the mission to kill the Krites before the Krites can feed and spread. And uh, we uh, we later on see these, uh, they get, uh, the bounty hunters have their own ship. And the warden is like, oh, yeah, one thing I forgot to tell you. Uh, don't cause much destruction as last time. And uh, they're heading to this planet Earth. Here, you can learn about it. And so the bounty hunters watch uh, footage of Earth. And one of them uh, happens upon the music video by popular recording artist Johnny Steele. <laughs> really fixates Power of the Night. music video, yeah. Fixates. And then uh, we have this great sequence of the uh, the bounty hunter transforming his face, like melting and reforming to form an exact likeness of Johnny Steele, uh, played by uh, an actor who I only know him from what, like, uh, he was like, Michael Douglas's major domo in the movie Chorus Line. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's got that like that like hair metal kind of femme uh, energy that 
but he's also like the baddest dude in the universe, which I really like. I really key into. It's probably why I like anime so much. So, he's, <laughs> so that's so that's so the actor. It's like, a, like a real Sephiroth guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's got anime hair for sure. Yeah. So that's so that's Terrence Mann, and he's mostly he's mostly a Broadway performer. Like he played yeah. Rum Tum Tugger in Cats on Broadway. And oh wow. Well, I, I mean, I guess it wasn't it. that recent, but the Adams Family Broadway show, and he's a he's a, he's been a lot of Broadway shows. Yeah, and he's also and he's been great. in Big Top Pee Wee. So like, there's that too. But you know, so mm-hmm. show him some goddamn. Respect. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's great. I like him a lot. Um, oh okay. right, and I forgot. I'm looking up now. I forgot he was in Solar Babies also. Ooh. There you go. Okay, so uh, we then we get this amazing title card of like uh, like a neon critters logo with like bites or claw marks on it. It's great. I feel like so many uh, like retro nostalgic attempts to like capture this vibe. Do not capture correctly. This is perfect. I love it. Great title card. Yeah. Meanwhile on Earth, we're in Grover's Bend, uh, Kansas, uh, where things move a little bit slower, <laughs> and people with Dan's background think but, a little bit better. But, but let me tell you about the honey we make. <laughs> Pure clover honey made from the clovers out in old Mrs. Anson's farm. Uh-huh. Here at Grover's Bend, we believe that Honey is a way of life, and uh-huh. to bring our damn bees back, we have to murder you. <laughs> no, no, the bees killing me will bring back your damn honey. No, you can taste all the murder in every bite. Oh, Mrs. actually, you know what? Now that I'm dead, the honey is better. You're yeah. right. Uh, yeah, so we are introduced to the Brown family. The uh, the father is Jay. He's a traditional farmer, kind of an asshole, kind of a jerk to everybody. Um, Helen is the housewife. That's Dee Wallace, right? Uh, the eldest daughter is April. She's a bit boy crazy and recently started dating Steve, the dork from New York, played by Billy Zane. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, Billy Zane, really, uh, shockingly Billy Zane? small part. In this in this film, definitely you know, a small part, being, but pretty charming for the little bit that he's in it. I yeah, found. and he's although his he's hair like is been, wild in this movie. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got that weird, little weird like, rat tail thing on the yeah. back. And as yeah. I, as a as a bald man now, do you think he looks back on that wild hair fondly and wishes? Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say that he looks back and be like, "When I had it, I wasted it." Oh, yeah, that's okay. what I thought. Maybe. I didn't know what I had. I I, I didn't use it properly. There is he doesn't get too much to do in this. Which mm-hmm. is weird because so she he plays her like boyfriend and mm-hmm. she is she really wants to sleep with him and he's a little like anxious about it but it feels yeah. like knowing Billy Zane's persona as an actor not in real life I assume but he, like he should be a creepy guy who's trying to like seduce her with his fancy New York car and everything right but instead mm-hmm. and that gives just us a reason to root when the critters bite his fingers off yeah but mm-hmm. instead they like he's just kind of a he's just kind of a almost realistically anxious and uncertain of himself guy. And there's a part where he's sitting eating dinner with the family and he's like, oh, well, this is the this is the best food I've ever tasted. And it's so <laughs> funny to me because it's like, it's such an over-the-toply insincere compliment. And you can tell he's not being smarmy or slimy about it. He just has no idea what to say in this moment. And yeah. he goes to a compliment that is just way too big. Uh, yeah, this this corn on the cob you served me in this farmhouse in Kansas, this has got to be one of the mm-hmm. best foods I've, in the history of the world. <laughs> Sweetest yeah. ambrosia, better fit for the gods of Olympus, ma'am. Well, it's weird that they even push it as far as to have that little beat where he's in the barn and he was like climbing up to that like top level in the barn and he sneezes and then announces like, oh, I'm, I'm allergic to hay. Like it's just such a like weird, like added bit of character to him that you wouldn't expect that makes him seem vulnerable 
yeah. <laughs> in a way you, that you that character that, should not be. You would expect that hay fever to pay off in the end with it, like protecting him from the crites. Or he, yeah, yeah. he sneezes and it blows a crite away, or or it gives mm-hmm. away, or they're hiding from the crites yeah. and he sneezes and it gives away their location. But instead, it's just mm-hmm. a it's just a really one off joke. And it's like, yeah, well, did well, Billy well, Zane moment. just ad lib that on set? Possibly, probably. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Well, I like that's one of the things I like about this movie though is like it's mean spirited in one way in the sense that it has a lot of fun unleashing, you know evil little critters on, on this small town, mm-hmm. but it's not mean spirited in any other way. You know, like it's like only a couple of people end up dying in this movie. It's mostly just, you know, it's like, it's a retro throwback in a similar way. I mean, I can see why. I mean, it's not even a retro throwback. It just is beyond. Yeah. It's just from the time it was made. Well, but no, no, I mean like beyond the uh, small, uh, monster similarities to Gremlins. It has that same feeling of like drawing on older horror traditions, like yeah, that's a, true. like a a creature feature from like the fifties or something. I mean, yeah. I'd even go as far as to say that Gremlins is a more mean spirited movie than this, which was the yeah. knock on at the time. Although I love Gremlins, obviously it's. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously because it's fantastic, but they, but like <laughs> Gremlins feels harsher than Critters does, which is weird. Yeah. That the big budget well, version is that, the kind of rough. There's that one. whole Santa Claus story. That's <laughs> the sa- and there's nothing as when they're destroying the critters. There's nothing as gruesome as the microwave scene in Gremlins mm-hmm. or the like mm-hmm. mixer scene or whatever is blender in Gremlins. Like it, mm-hmm. or when you see stripe melting at the end and you're like, Whoa, what the fuck? Like this is disgusting. <laughs> like is that what happens to me when I die? <laughs> <laughs> That I have to stay inside all the time and just play video games and never see the sunlight. That's yeah. what I decided anyway. Yeah, Critters is like weirdly tame. I yeah yeah. Like as a kid, I remember it being more intense, but watching it this time, I was like, oh, it really isn't like like there's no big showpiece of like gore effects or anything. Yeah. It's like just a little bit of blood and not much else. Really, the greatest thing they, they save that for the sequel. I think the sequel yeah, yeah. has a yeah. little more excitement and invention. In a strange way, yes. the goriest the goriest scene in it is when the bounty hunter's face is turning into Johnny Steele's because uh-huh. you see yeah. his, his face essentially melt down to the skull and then fill with muscle goop and things like that. That that's the I th- I'm surprised I didn't remember that from a kid from being a kid because I could I could have seen that really horrifying me as a kid when the rest of the movie is just yeah. not that rough in a good way. Mm-hmm. Horrifying you because you're like, I'll never make anything as awesome as this uh, sequence. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, this is, wait, this is what pla- plastic surgery is. Sign me up. Yeah, melt my whole face off and then put yeah. a new one on. And so the and then the uh, the youngest child in the Brown family is Brad. He's a real goonie. Uh, you know, he makes his own fireworks. He doesn't uh, he doesn't want to go to school. That sort of thing. And of course, my favorite member of the family is Chewy the cat. Mm-hmm. Um. Chewie the cat who they put in peril a lot and then repeatedly remind the audience, no, no, Chewie's okay. I think I I counted three instances of (laughs) there being concern about Chewie and then having, making a point of showing like somebody pick up Chewie and be like, Chewie's fine, guys. It's okay. It works. I appreciated that. As a cat owner, a cat lover, I was like, I can't remember Critters. Is the cat gonna have something bad happen to it? I don't like it. I don't like, you know, like it's, Look, I get it, guys. Don't tweet at me about how I should be upset about all the humans that die in horror movies. And like, Do people I mean, tweet be, be, about upset, be upset about all the humans that die in real life. Don't worry about the I mean, horror movie humans. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like anytime that anyone expresses a sensitivity to like animal cruelty in in a in a film or television show, someone always shows up to be like, "But humans are like, you don't have a problem. It's all fake." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I know. Whatever." Like. <laughs> 
don't tell me how to feel. <laughs> how, yeah. What trigger, triggers me? Like, what's, you what's really your took down. You really took down that straw man, Dan. I'm proud of you. You gave him. Those <laughs> no, I mean, it's, you I mean, the shit out of it. I would say a straw man. <laughs> he would said, "How imply, about a fire scarecrow?" And then you yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I would say the straw man would imply an entirely made up uh, person that I'm ah, inventing for the I sake see. of winning an argument. Whereas this is just a yeah. composite. He's character, not the New York Times, if you will. This yeah. is, <laughs> <laughs> like a now, disclaimer it, at an end of a biopic. You know, now, this is like a lot of people mixed together. It's a composite. Now, if it now if it, it if it helps at all to take some of the heat off of Dan. People dying in a movie, that affects me, yeah. Animals dying, sure. But if someone leaves a faucet running in a movie, I cannot deal with it. I am sorry. You better cut to another scene because I cannot be there while water is running in the background. There's that shot where Timothy Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name like opens up the fridge and then partially closes it oh. and the shot just lingers on this open door <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Oh, that Stop. Goes, that triggers me hard. That triggers me deeply, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you're a dad. Um, yeah, okay. exactly. Because that's um, the kind of real life situation I got to deal with every damn day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Elliot's getting up. Elliot's leaving. Elliot came back. Okay, we're podcasting again. Um, okay. oh, that was a quick tantrum. So we have, and then we also have kind of another like de facto member of the family, and that's Charlie, who's kind of like a local drunk who works as a farmhand for the Browns. And we, uh, that morning, he is uh, waking up, uh, uh, sleeping off a drunk in the drunk tank in the local police station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and who's he, the sheriff? Who plays the sheriff? Is it, uh, what, M. Emmett Walsh? M. Emmett Walsh, who yep. is clearly, like, the biggest star in the movie. He's not Huge in star. it a lot. And they save him for kind of big moments. And it's just very exciting to see a movie where M. Emmett Walsh is, like, the big name <laughs> that they have to really, like, shepherd and, and ration how they're going to use him, you know? Do you think when he showed up on set, he's like, so am I going to be playing one of the critters? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was really practicing getting into one of those crate costumes. Uh, I just took a, took a, like a big, a big comforter, like a big furry comforter off of my bed. And I just wrapped it up in me and practiced rolling around on the floor. Am I going to have to do that a lot? I got a little bruise, I but mean, I'm, I'm game for it. I mean, we don't know. He could have been in that big critter suit at the end. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, there's a big critter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's similar <laughs> again to Tilda Swinton being the old man. It's spirit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah it's really doesn't got need it from. to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Yeah, they, they asked so, if they could make a big critter. They didn't ask if they should make a big critter. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so, yeah. the That night, uh, I mean, we get a bunch of, you know, character establishing stuff. Well, we, we get also get what, a very... Sorry, not to cut you no, off, but okay, I want to please. point out there's a very stressful moment of them blowing up a Y-wing spray-painted silver uh, mm-hmm. that I did not enjoy watching. <laughs> I felt like that's a classic toy I, that they're exploding. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to play with that Y-wing. So, and we learned what, something. Did you feel the same way to, about the stuffed ET doll that gets ripped up later on, or no? A little less. Okay. <laughs> it was more about the Y wing. I can ET. I can take it or leave it. To be honest, hot take on ET from Steve. Wow! Right there, wow! Yeah. So we learned that Charlie has a drinking problem because he um, thinks that aliens are invading. He also is a former uh, was going to be a major league pitcher. Luckily, both drinking and pitching pay off in the end for him. Uh, <laughs> and, and just Brad, as they did for Ted Danson in Cheers. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, right. he wasn't a pitcher in that, I guess, but. Uh, he? he was a relief pitcher. Yeah. Was a, he was a pitcher. It's the he, same he also, thing. He also, he's <laughs> been driven to drink because he gets messages through his tooth fillings that he thinks are aliens talking to yeah. him, right? So mm-hmm. my question is, why did the dad hire him as like a farmhand? Was there, I, I wanted there to be some moment that explained like an obligation to hire him, but I didn't I think, really yeah, see just there like a being general, one. 
general pity, except for he also doesn't seem to really like Charlie. Well, he doesn't like he doesn't, anyone. Doesn't yeah. like him and Charlie. Like when we like you know see him messing around, like blowing shit up. It's like I don't know. It seems like a pretty useless guy to have around your farm, especially I, well, I, considering he's he's effectively like the hero of the Critters series, the franchise. Like he shows yeah. up in the other movies. Well, it's a redemption arc. It's, you know, it's like yeah. Hoosiers. Like he overcomes. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of monsters were Hoosiers? What kind of little monsters were Hoosiers? Oh, man. man. (laughs) As a Hoosier, (laughs) I prefer you to guard your tongue, sir. (laughs) I think that Charlie is is hired because they need a farmhand, and also the the farmer wants better for his kids than he had. He doesn't want them to grow up to be farmers. Right. They keep him around as a – like a bad example. Of exactly. Like don't he wants someone to <laughs> look down on. Yes, they can say, you're yeah. better than this. You were better than this. Expect more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, yeah, we get uh, we get a little bit of character stuff, and then that night, the critters land their spaceship in the pasture behind uh, the Browns' farm. They eat one of the cows, and then they also eat a passing police patrolman uh, and drag him under his car. Now, there's uh, a, still at this point we have not seen the critters. We've at not all. seen critter, and this is a, and that that happens about a half hour into the movie. Like it's a, they really set up the family in, in for a, a while. wonder a wonderfully long eighty five minute movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it is. So we're almost halfway through the movie before the critters have done much of anything. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it, I I looked at I looked at I think that the first time we see get a good look uh, at a critter is something like. 36 minutes in, which mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 less than 90 minutes. So that's like over a third of the way through before uh our titular it, monsters. Unless was, of course you walked into the theater or looked at the VHS box, in which case you saw the critter immediately before the movie started. Yeah. But, yeah. but Steve, I mean it, it was something that I clocked this time and have realized every time I've watched this movie, I drift like partway mm-hmm. through where I, my, my mind wanders because it is such a weirdly structured movie. Like I, this, on this rewatch, I was comparing it to Halloween and how that has, you know, it was like two parallel storylines that ultimately collide at the end. You've got like, mm-hmm. you know, Laurie and her story and then Dr. Loomis and Myers and it, it all like meets and all works together. But in Critters, I feel like the bounty hunters kind of just messing around doing their own thing and the family on their own doing their own thing. Like there's like the Mm -hmm. siege sequence in the house and then we're cutting to the bounty hunters like messing things up. Yeah, The bounty hunters are almost more of a comedy runner than they are an actual subplot. Yeah. Yeah. And I realize- show up in a place and go, give us the crites. Don't explain what a crite is. Mm -hmm. Blow things up and then leave Mm -hmm. multiple times. Well, they also, they show up and they look comedic for these small town yokel types. Oh, it's not Halloween. (laughs) They say that, which I'm like, oh, thank goodness. The the line you have to have. But I realized like uh, when they're, when the kid hops into the car with them, like later in the movie and they're like going to go after the crites. Like I- at that moment, it really felt like, oh, this is like the movie that I want to watch. And yeah. it's like, why didn't that happen like mm. 25, 30 minutes into the movie yeah. Yeah. where it's like we have our stories meet up and and that's the central conceit or push it all back and have them not meet till like the very, very end. It's just I've really bumped on the structuring of this. I think that uh, on because, this watch. because like people people. uh peg like blockbusters, the beginning of the big blockbusters to like the late 70s and into the 80s. I think it's always a surprise to me when I go back and watch those movies, kind of how slowly paced they are 
compared to just how many how much space there is between lines of dialogue, how how much time they take unfolding plots, and it yeah. reminds me of like um, the last time I watched Carrie with somebody where they're like, oh, there's not a lot of like horror stuff in this movie because it, because most of the movie is just the just high school stuff until the prom at the end, and it feels like when that works really well, like in a movie like Carrie, I feel like it gives you this rich kind of like character world that yes. then gets torn apart. But in Critters, they're trying for it, but it's like not – they do an okay job of it, but they don't quite quite get all the way there to where I'm loving being with these characters. So well, there's part it, of me that's like, come on, look at the bounty hunters in here. Like, look at the Critters. Come on, what's going it, on yeah. I don't feel like it's rack, ratcheting up the tension really in any yes, way either. Yeah. Like, whereas something like Carrie, I feel like it is like slowly building and building to a, a big climax. Whereas this – yeah, I just, I just kept hitting these moments where I was like – what is it? What are they even doing right now? Like, what is? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I mean, what's the driving force in the story at this moment? I definitely had I trouble keeping track of where everybody in the critters were and what they were doing at certain yes. certain points. Yeah, yeah. I do muddled. respect this movie for sort of like taking the time to try and develop things, but it is, yeah. I, I you know, maybe maybe ten minutes too much of that. <laughs> like a more ideal version of this is like seventy five minutes long. Is yeah. what Dan says. Yeah, full moon. I like, think in Poltergeist, <laughs> in Poltergeist, you get such a quick and solid feeling of like place and like this, you know, suburban cul de sac. And uh, I don't know. I don't know that Critters gives you all that much for the time no, it takes. I will say though, I do enjoy this more. Maybe it's just because it's nostalgic for me. Than what the modern version of this, I assume, would be, where it would be like. Five minutes in, everybody's dead except for the kid. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's with the bounty hunters, and then the the story gets incredibly complicated and huge in scale until suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, well, the the critters are they're getting into the antimatter negatron. We've got to shut down the Boozlewort uh-huh. drive, and you're the only one who can get to it. But meanwhile, like the way that uh, at the end of the first Black Panther movie, I was like, there's too much stuff going on right now. There's yeah. too many things going on. I can't keep track of them all. Well, and I think specifically for little monster movies, there needs to be a cozy element to it where yep. yeah. the plot itself feels kind of small and contained. And I do think a modern version would blow out of that and go yeah. into space That's a good way point. too do think, quickly. Do you think that like the th- because they're little, the threat has to be kind of yeah, has to be that kind of intimate small scale as opposed to a giant monster movie, you need it to be on a big like Godzilla can't attack a house. You know, like Godzilla yeah. has to attack a city. But, but can like, critters attack Godzilla? All right, now I we're mean, talking. Uh, Let's hear if, about it. Well, I, I mean, if they also, combine into that ball, they could. That big yeah. yep. ball in two. Mm-hmm. Part of the pleasures of what you're talking about is, like, they're small enough that they can, like, infiltrate a space. You, like, yeah. see yeah. a small yeah. town as it slowly, like, gets infiltrated by critters or gremlins or, let's say, some spiders in arachnophobia or whatever, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, should we talk about the plots more? I guess <laughs> sure, so. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So Twitter's the bounty plot. hunters arrive. Uh, one of the bounty hunters is having trouble morphing until he finds a dead. But everyone's uh, morphing these days. Yeah, he uh, he finds <laughs> another Dan <laughs> reference to a video that we used to watch in the writers' room at the Daily Show of an impressionist's act from fifteen years ago, at least. <laughs> it's just stuck wow. in my head so much as no, like it's well, true. A, Every time I hear the word morph, that's what I think of is that yeah. line. Everybody's what a morphing these days. Way of introducing I'm gonna do some impressions now. <laughs> the, anyway. Yeah, so the this one uh this one bounty hunter, he morphs into the dead policeman. He also later on morphs into a. it seems like he has no control over this morphing. Yes. Uh, Can we just and, go back to that dead policeman real quick? Did you guys yeah. clock that that was uh Neelix from Voyager? 
I did not. I knew I recognized him and I couldn't remember who he was. Okay. Mm. It was his voice for me. I was like, huh, I know that. I could see an annoying character in my head. I was like, this, I know who this guy is. And then, yeah, as he was getting dragged under the car, I was like, all right, it's Neelix, of course. That's right. So, Stuart, you think he he can't control it. I I registered it as, like, maybe he was indecisive. Like, he's just like, oh, okay. Oh, I like this body better, you know? like. Well, they seem to be saying early on that, like, they had to, like, jive with the thing that they were morphing Uh, into. And so the (laughs) first one, he— Like Johnny Steele, yeah. Johnny Steele, he just felt it. so hard with Johnny Steele. Yeah, he was like, oh, God, that's what I always wanted to be is Johnny Steele. And and it was like this guy was—it was— a weird, in a weird way of like, it's love at first sight over and over again with different with different forms yeah. that he can be taking. Uh-huh. But yeah, he's like and, unstable. And obviously, obviously, fans of the second Critters movie will remember the amazing morphing scene where the bounty hunter morphs into the Playboy centerfold, and complete with giant staple in its uh, in her stomach, which is hilarious. <laughs> which it's is a good, good way to turn just a a boob shot into a joke. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, modern screenwriters learn from that. Learn from that, dudes. <laughs> Turn a boob shot into a rim shot. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so the, uh, let's say, uh, the bounty hunters take over the police cruiser. Now they're tooling around town. They end up getting into chaos in various places, and we'll touch on that as the movie progresses. Uh, the critters bite through the power and phone lines back at the farm. Then they ambush Jay when he goes down to the cellar to check on things, ruining that bowling shirt of his. <laughs> We get a lot of shots of this bowling shirt. He, he and his bowling team, like they make a point of saying that his bowling shirt is clean and ready. We see, uh, we get multiple shots of his uh, his other bowling team members. It's basically a Ghostbusters logo, but with a pin instead of a ghost. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if anyone wants to buy me that, just send it to the bar. I'll wear that shit. Um, okay. Uh, You're just getting closer and closer to that OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I only really accept Critters merchandise. <laughs> buy me Critters merchandise. I'll only. wear it online. You can <laughs> tell me what to do yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> only screen I'll take my shoes off while wearing it. <laughs> screen so, use. No replicas, yeah. please. So we, yeah, we see the, uh, this is kind of the first time we really see the Critters. They mainly attack by jumping in a, and like biting the neck and shoulder. I think that's probably because it's easiest to hold the puppet right there. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, because you could just have a guy standing behind. Going yeah, like it's, and it's great. Uh, they, we time. also learned that they have a ranged attack. They can fire spines or darts that have some kind of a toxic paralytic element uh, from their backs. That's mm-hmm. great. means that they can compete in the close combat phase as well as the ranged attack phase. It's very important. Um, okay. Now, what would now what would be the what, what would they have to? What's their uh, their ability modifier for that? Well, so of course we're talking. There would be an amazing scout unit in uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand. Mm-hmm. They would easily have. I feel like based on their accuracy, that's at least hitting on a three plus. Okay. Uh, close combat, they got a lot of attacks. Maybe only hit on a four plus because they miss a lot. Uh, <laughs> don't have much of an armor save, obviously, but maybe they have some kind of like a ward save based on how quickly they can turn into a ball and roll away. They probably also have the ability to retreat and charge in the same phase. Uh, Dan, do you have any other feedback about? (laughs) Yeah, Dan, I I want to get your take on this. Thanks uh, thanks for answering, Stu. This question really was for Dan. I uh, I, I went into my email and was looking at how I could pick up the pottery that Audrey and I made for our Uh pottery class, our three three Ah. pottery class we did. Like a critter-shaped 
piece oh. of pottery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So the the uh, the Browns uh, the the Bounty Boys, the Bounty Hunters, show up at the church. <laughs> the Bounty they cause Boys. some chaos. Uh, it's really funny because it's like There's they just the show up in right places, there. immediately start blowing crap up. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and they blow up most of the church and then drive away. Um, the Browns. Quick question about the uh, Bounty Hunters: Their guns, those like the tubes on the end of their guns, extend mm-hmm. what, like a few inches? when they get ready to shoot? What do you think that accomplishes? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, that's the sort of thing that, like, when I was a kid and watching this movie, I'm like, oh, shit, he's extended the barrel. It's probably more powerful now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember thinking that as a kid, for sure. But watching it now, it's like, oh, I guess it's just... Just an erection metaphor. A little added bit of flair. Yeah, yeah. T- just a little something to make him look more outer space futury. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, up in, uh, up in the hayloft... April, April, and, April, and Steve are a getting it on. Review up in the hayloft. <laughs> uh, April, the grandmama's favorite songs. <laughs> Surely you remember. <laughs> Whisk in the milk. <laughs> Horse in the stable, and I got mine. <laughs> and of course, Bobby's got a dirty face. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, none of that happens. Instead, uh, <laughs> what movie was that watching? Yeah, no, it's, I was watching Critters, nineteen eighty-six. Uh, so April and Steve were are getting it on in the hayloft. Critters attack and kill Steve. And honestly, guys, you know, if I was gonna go, that's how I'd want to go, right in the sack mm-hmm. and then eaten by critters, <laughs> having <laughs> an allergy attack to hay. Yeah, ha- yeah, yeah, yeah feeling feeling unsure of myself as I potentially lose my virginity to a to a girl, even though I'm from the big city and I feel like I should <laughs> be the experienced one. And I'm having a hay fever attack, and then a monster bites off my fingers and then kills the rest of me. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the way I'd want to go. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bites you off my have- fingers <laughs> while I am changing the cassette tape on the radio <laughs> that's set up in the hayloft. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did just have the best meal he's ever had, <laughs> yeah, so that with helps. A, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. A, with, a, with a wonderful, delicious, filling meal in my tummy as I roll around in the hayloft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why the critters go right for his tummy, if you didn't notice. Mm. It's because they're yeah. trying to get that delicious meal, and he's like, go for my tongue first. I don't want to taste anything else. That's why he was so hesitant to have uh, to kiss uh, or go for, go to other bases with April. Yeah, because it would erase the taste of, what were they eating for dinner? I know the corn on the cob. There was corn. something else. Uh, uh, there was some mashed potatoes, I believe. Yeah, mashed a lot potatoes. Of starches. This yeah. feels like a starch-heavy <laughs> <Yeah>. family. <laughs> yeah. Well, with, living on the farm, you need a lot of energy. There's a lot of a lot yeah. That's, of, that's what you don't understand. Food. You get these like country breakfasts at Denny's or whatnot. Uh-huh. They, those people were out there in the fields, you know, working all day. Like they needed. Like, like two biscuits 10, and uh, calories. Yeah, you needed all the energy to blow up those Y wings, or else you yeah. weren't going to get through the day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so April screams while her boyfriend's being eaten, and then uh, Brad shows up and feeds one of the feeds the offending critter a uh, like a M80 or something, a homemade M80, and yeah. it blows it up and it dies. In a, in a, this in is a, a silly way because it eats it and then they wait and then it goes boom and its and its mouth it's kind of goes out a little bit and then smoke comes out of it and then it drop, falls over. So it's yeah. also a silly movie. Uh, I, the <laughs> critter tip tipping over the way that it did, I think, was my favorite crite yeah. moment yeah. in the yeah. movie. It was very yeah. charming. How it's just clearly a static puppet being tipped. I over. feel like that's on that's on the the. It's my two favorite moments were that 
for genuine. And then also just for the chutzpah of it, when the critters start getting blown up and one of them says something and the subtitle just says, fuck, and they just start yeah. running away. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they got weapons, and then it gets yeah. shot with a shotgun. Oh, it's yeah. great. No, I did, I did really enjoy the understatement of this critter, crit, critter, critter being blown up, uh, like in a, in a different movie. Yeah, it would be a full explosion, but here it's like a comical puff of smoke, and then they just (laughs) sort of tip over. So after uh, after kind of uh, taking stock of their situation, the Browns decide to make a run for it, Uh, but the Critters have disabled all the vehicles, which is ironic since Charlie just fixed the carburetor in one of them. So and they also destroy Steve's uh, like new sports car. They destroy all the vehicles. Uh, So they end up having to like fight their way back to the farmhouse. This is where we see the critters' method of chasing them is basically just rolling along the ground. Which I got to say, I think it's pretty impressive that the movie manages to make that like kind of tense, like kind of maybe scary. Mm -hmm. It's surprisingly effective. These yeah. these should not be scary monsters when you can't see their mouths full of teeth, but they do they do manage to pull it off. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that would be the scariest is if like four or five critters attacked one person at one time. They can't do this because there's only so many puppets you can hold yes. to your body yeah. and mm-hmm. pretend they're attacking you. But they do a good job, yeah, with making it at least uh-huh. up till this point. Before I before the movie started to like feel repetitive, up to this point I was like, yeah, they're doing a good job of making me kind of you know. This, this this feels like a real menace. It feels like a threat to these people, you know? Yeah, so uh, Jay gets bitten again. Like, he is, he's basically out of action. This He's like, uh, he's the heavy, he's the bullet sponge. He's taking all the damage he can't <laughs> help anymore. <laughs> Helen Helen blows one of the critters away. We get, a, we get a bunch of laughs. It's great. They kind of barricade themselves in the farmhouse. Uh, the bounty hunters then show up at the bowling alley, uh, which it was a big bowling tournament night, I guess. Everybody's really excited. We get a bunch of laughs. There's a fight. There's a little bit of a bar fight. Charlie's there. One of the bounty hunters turns into Charlie. Uh, it's great. Uh, let's see. The uh, the Krites kind of lay siege to the farmhouse. Uh, they force the family to retreat upstairs. Helen gets shot with uh, one of those poison darts, and she is not feeling good. We get a couple of gags here where, like, uh, a ceiling fan falls and bonks one of the critters on the head. Uh, one of them catches on fire and has to jump into a toilet, thinking mm-hmm. that's going to save him. Uh, I don't think that's going to work, my friend. <laughs> now, yeah, and, now, and, and, that's, and in that's another film, for, yes, the monster would bite someone's butt. This movie, <laughs> but I don't know about that. Dan, because takes even, refuge in a toilet and then is immediately shot. In, in the toilet. Because you even, think one of the bounty hunters should have gone in the house to be like, oh man, I gotta take a wicked dump. <laughs> Before we stop these crates, I gotta, I gotta lay, off some, I gotta lay that, some prisoners off at the asteroid prison. Hold on a sec. The thing that uh, that brings this to my mind is uh, my friend Rich Duncan uh, in the comedy world, you know, he went to uh, Earlham as well, uh, Earlham College before. Where did he go in the college? Uh, on the show years ago. Right? Where did he go to the college before he was in the comedy world? Anyway. Um, Since you said in Earlham. the comedy world, he went to Earlham College. Okay. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> I mentioned critters yeah, on. Look, I'm just putting Dan through my communication skills seminar. It's uh, every now and like much like uh, Inspector Clouseau and Cato, I attack Dan's communication skills randomly whenever necessary, Try just to keep him on them. his toes. Yeah. Well, uh, I had tweeted about uh, critters. It was a little critter Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, "I, you know." Is this a movie where, um, you know, someone gets? I had avoided it in the past because I thought it, that this would be a movie where, you know, a monster 
hides in a toilet and bites someone's butt or something. I'm like, no, no, you got you got yourself a ghoulie there, my but friend. Even in ghoulies, they even in ghoulies, it doesn't happen. happen. It just is it's in just, the poster. No, because yeah. that was shot after the fact. I believe it was like, yeah. wasn't it after the initial release of ghoulies? People were complaining that. There wasn't a shot of a ghoulie in a toilet in the movie, so they because went the, back, shot an isolated shot of that, and then because yeah. the poster promises it, it says they'll get you in the end, and it's sticking out of a toilet. I, I'm sorry, maybe I'm the. Asshole, it was the. But I assumed it meant that a ghoulie was going to bite someone in the butt. <laughs> it seemed like all the clues were there. Yeah, it was the know? Ana de Armas uh, <laughs> lawsuit of its day. A bunch of fans. Uh, you haven't heard about this? No, I didn't hear about that. Uh-huh. They, they people sued. Which movie was it that like it had Ana de Armas in the trailer? And then, of course, as often happens, uh, the trailer is not based on a final version of the film. Uh-huh. Ana de Armas mm, like was Rogue not One. in it. And the fans of Ana de Armas sued that you they were they up in saw this movie under false pretenses. And they won, my friend. They won, setting a what, weird so what precedent damages, for the what future. What possible damages I could they know. have claimed on that? Well, they, the damages, I guess, of buying the ticket. Buying <laughs> one ticket? This is like, yeah. This is, well, you know. It's a what do you call it? A civil. Well, yeah. Like when, a, when a, 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 this becomes the this becomes the premise action of suit. yeah. It's so a civil action two. Anna de Armas rising. You know. I'm just saying, as a class action suit, I'm sure they all got five cents. Whoever <laughs> entered into this Anna de Armas, but you but know still, what? It's the principle of it. It's the, it's principle, the principle. They've of it, taught yeah. Hollywood that they cannot be fucked around well, with when it comes to the a, promise of Anna de Armas. <laughs> this this sets a good precedent, though. Does this mean that I can now uh, sue for renting a- Highlander Endgame because I watched the trailer and it had a bunch of wacky special effects in it that <sighs> aren't in the actual movie because they were shot specifically? You could, for the yeah. My guess is that the statute of limitations is probably it's probably run out on that one, but maybe not. Yeah, I'm, sue about you know, I'm gonna go for it. I've, Dan's that, given me some is, confidence. Is that the one with Mario Van Peebles in it? No, that's three. The sorcerer okay. or the final dimension. Final dimension. On yeah. Where I feel like I remember that trailer from. a lot because I just remember the the narration being saying his name is Kane, and I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's the one where like yesterday he like turns yesterday, a truck. The, he like turns a truck invisible, or there's an illusion truck. That yeah, hits yeah. He's or, a he's a magic man. He like gets split in half, and his bottom half runs away, and then yeah, comes Steve, back. you gotta understand, it's, Steve. Um, try to understand. Try to understand. Try to try. Try. Try to understand. Mm-hmm. He's a magic man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that that's done, it was yesterday the Danny Boyle movie about the Beatles not being here. The movie else came being out like, yesterday. I'm Mr. Beatle now. <laughs> How did they have time to file the lawsuit if it was just yesterday? <laughs> oh boy! Wow, they work fast. The listener knows what God, I'm saying. Who is so she going to play in that movie? Funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Someone who is not integral to the plot, apparently. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, I mean, that happens from like the the. I I. It reminds me of the story of a uh, the movie Dangerous Minds where India Garcia was in that movie and they just removed his plot entirely. And he's just, I guess yeah. they did it early enough that they didn't advertise it as an Andy Garcia joint, you know, but still. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so Jay and Helen are too injured to escape. So Brad decides to go for help. Uh, but there's a, uh, when he goes to, over to his bike, there's a critter just standing there like waiting for him <laughs> and then pushes his bike over. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, and then he witnesses one of the critters is growing to a much larger size. That probably won't come into play later. And no, uh, now, no reason is ever given for that, right? Or did I just miss it? Well, they mentioned eating a like, lot. I yeah, they're eating a lot. They get <laughs> but that's not how eat. eating works. I mean, maybe maybe just for uh, all the critters. But all the critters are my eating. My nutritionist would say otherwise. <laughs> but your nutritionist is like, Stu, you're not eating enough to grow three more feet in, in within minutes. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. These weird little alien balls don't fit to your normal human logic, Elliot. <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's better when they don't explain. Okay. Uh, so Brad runs into the street and he bumps into the uh, bounty hunters who are riding around in a police cruiser and he convinces them to come back to the farm and help him save his family. Now, this is when this is okay. He is the first person. Now, this movie has gotten away up to this point with the fact that every species in the universe speaks English except for the critters. That mm. the, the bounty hunters speak English, the prison warden speaks English, everyone who works the prison speaks English. Mm-hmm. That they, and yet somehow yep. when they say Christ, uh, Galactic Common, they say gla- oh, <laughs> that's right, Galactic yeah, Galactic Common, yeah, sorry, yeah, basic. Uh, that they this this is the first character, Brad, who recognizes that this bounty hunter looks like a famous musician, or pieces together that Kreitz might be critters and therefore a thing that they are looking for that he can mm-hmm. ask them questions about. And up to this moment, it's like the who's on first routine where everyone is going out of their way to avoid asking questions that might no. shed light on any scenario. I know? believe that what happens is he comes in. He's like, you know, he's like, you got to help me. You got to help me. He doesn't know that these are aliens. It's like there's there are all these critters. Yeah, he says critters and they go like Kreitz. And then they say Kreitz because they know. They know that like this is they're, – they're here for the critters. So finally there's someone who is mentioning – but I think it's also – it's the coincidence and, of them being called Krites, which sounds like critters. That breaks the illusion for me that English is galactic basic <laughs> and everyone speaks it. It's just uh-huh. a little too easy for me. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean I I think it's also to show that the kid is the real hero and that yes. adults are dumb. <laughs> yeah. Which well, as a one, child watching this movie, I'm like, this makes perfect sense. The one sympathetic moment really for the dad is when Brad is like, I've got to go. I've got to go help the family. And you can tell the dad is like proud of Brad yeah. for doing this. That he, he says, okay, do it. And he doesn't say, I'm proud of you or I love you because like that's the thing a wuss would say, I yeah. guess. Wouldn't but uh, but you can tell the pride in his eyes. That's good work by uh, Billy Greenbush in that moment, I think, mm-hmm. communicating. So the, the family decides to fight their way out of the barricaded bedroom. They blow up one of the critters again. It's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> they take another shot at the critter <laughs> and it rolls like, the away. The critters are also incredibly, once the movie decides the critters have to go, they are incredibly easy to yeah. destroy. It's great, <laughs> I love it. Uh, she takes a shot and one of the critters rolls away and she's like, uh, the mom is like, can I have another shell? And he's like, we're all out. And I'm like, you gotta, come on. You have to let me know how much ammo's left. It's like I'm playing a fucking video game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she goes, or you know, they, uh, just when they're like about to make a last stand at like the top of the stairs. There's critters coming up the stairs when the front of the house explodes. The bounty hunters have arrived. They start blowing them all away. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they The family escapes. The sheriff shows up. Uh, Brad runs back inside to go save Chewy the cat, which I totally understand, and I would do yeah. the same thing. At this point, the bounty hunters are like going room to room. They go into the bathroom. They blow up the critter in the toilet. It's hilarious. Uh, Brad goes to find <laughs> Chewy the cat. I don't know, he, hilarious. It's, yeah, uh, it seems like some someone's butt could have gotten bitten or something. That's true. Yeah. Let it go. Well, Let it go. No, no, let's stay on this for at least one more minute. Is there a movie where a monster comes out of the toilet and bites a person's butt. Like, does uh, that actually happen? actually it, accomplishes it? Because there's a what? snake that comes out of the toilet in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, but and there's a snake oh, that comes out of a toilet in Snakes bitten. in a Plane, but it bites a guy's dick. It doesn't bite yeah, it his a, butt. 
Yes. Yeah. Now, okay. what, he, what does he say when he, he realizes said, I there's believe, a snake? I believe I'm quoting when he says, ah, get off my dick. <laughs> and, uh, which is my favorite line in that whole movie because it's like, that is a very understated reaction to a snake yeah. biting your penis. Yeah, this guy's pretty chill, actually. This is not his first time getting a snake no. on his penis. He is tired of, he is tired of his motherfucking snakes biting his motherfucking yeah, yeah. penis. This and is now, the mummy three of snake penis bites. Now, in Dreamcatchers, do the aliens go up through the toilet in that? Am I remembering that correctly? Oh, yeah. I guess it was. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, yeah, one does go into a guy from and the toilet. And they're just trapped so. in the toilet. Okay. And isn't isn't climbing into a guy's butt to control his body? Isn't that the is it, that counts as biting, right? Uh, well, let's hear yeah. some more about the situation. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if the shit weasels yeah, in Dreamcatcher, that counts. That's the same as a bite. Biting his incidental style. biting yeah. going yeah. on. Like whether or not biting is the main activity, there's some biting that happens in the process of getting now, is up it, there. Yeah, to get up there, yeah. Is it possible that the old, I think now out, now gotten rid of, Coppertone label is the mm. most <laughs> accurate rendition of a monster biting someone in the butt? I mean, that's just a dog pulling the back of a girl's bathing suit down but it mm-hmm. seems more accurate than ghoulies. which uh, a, a dog performing some kind of assault is truly a monster mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a bad dog let's just say yeah. that's a bad dog yeah yeah all dogs may go to heaven but it's a technicality <laughs> so, in this case. it's only because of the, it's dog. only because the mystery of the lord's forgiveness there's that like to a do with the individual of the dog yeah, yeah. Yeah, John Calvin's dog was like, "Mm, I wish that God hadn't decided when you were born that you were already one of the elect because you certainly shouldn't go to heaven for pulling that bathing suit. (laughs) So most of the the bounty hunters kill off most of the critters except for a big old critter that uh, beats up Brad a little bit and then gets scared off. It escapes, and in the process of running away, it manages to snare April and take April with it. Now, what? (laughs) why is this large critter not merely eating this girl like to get even bigger with every yeah Yeah, like there's a this is the one point at which call up kidnapping happens and the only reason (laughs) the only reasons i can think of are upsetting reasons so i guess i shouldn't dwell on it but it just seems odd yeah sorry i'm just quickly adding this to the goofs section of critters imdb page i mean the real the real reason is because this is the motivation for act three yeah uh, this, yeah. The saving of April by Brad, uh, but the, but also I mean, to have like a snack later, like they're they're about to go on a little spaceship I mean, ride. They want some huge. meat later. He's probably full already. He's not yeah. hungry right now, but he knows he's going to be hungry later. So he's just taking it. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. The bigger you get, the hungrier you're going to get, Elliot. It's that's how you know. Mm. So if you're the smaller you get, the less hungry you can get. So if I'm <laughs> uh-huh. the size of a of a thimble, I'll never have to eat again. Never have to eat again. I think they cover that in Ant Man and Quantum Mania, right? I don't want to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dan said that as if said, said that very professionally. Like, so yeah, the, the, but with the big just critter, a touch, but just a touch of a sassy neighbor in a, in a sitcom, just a touch, just a little bit of disdain, just yeah. a bit. Uh, so the big critter and a couple of his buddies take drag April back to the spaceship. They're gonna get out of here. They're taking too much heat from these bounty boys. Mm-hmm. So they uh, they fire up the ship. Charlie and uh, uh, Brad runs uh, runs after them. He bumps into Charlie. The two of them go find the alien ship. They climb aboard. They wake up April. They get her off. They drop uh, a pipe bomb unlit uh, on the critter ship. They escape. Charlie then uses his pitching and his drunkness <laughs> to make a firebomb that he perfectly chucks through the closing hatchway, mm-hmm. which then catches fire, sets fire to the pipe bomb, the uh, fleeing ship then explodes. Uh, Wait, first, and- but not until the ship, just out of spite, 
shoots lasers to blow up the which family's is, farmhouse. Which is insane. And you, the and big, can ahead. you hear, and uh, am I wrong that you can hear the aliens laughing right after yeah. they did it? They yeah. laugh. Yeah, critters like, are assholes. Such a, That's part of the joy of them. Mm-hmm. It's I such a throwaway gag. Yeah, and it's crazy that it's the biggest effect in the entire movie. Yeah. That's, that's the thing they commit to. It's, it's like, just, yeah, just them blowing up the house. But I love that because it's the critters just doing it out of out of anger like or yeah. just to be dicks. Yeah. There's no reason yeah. for them to do it. But mm-hmm. you're right. It's a huge explosion. They blow up the whole house. It's great. It's legit. And they uh, repurpose it a little bit when they blow up the critter ship too. There's, mm-hmm. uh, there's that first shot where it's like clearly a composite explosion. I think it cuts to a reaction. Then it comes back. And it's like the tail end of the house exploding. They're showing again, <laughs> like they just really wanted to get their mileage out of that yeah. that house explosion. Which That's I, I think they do. Do they do something similar in one of the Phantasm movies, where like the same house explosion is two different yeah. houses? So yeah. that one, it's the same house. They blew up once, but they had one scene playing out on one side and another scene playing out on the other side, and it doubled as two houses. So they had Tall Man doing one thing on one side, and then Mike and Reggie on the other side mm-hmm. uh, to get right. the most out of one house explosion. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you, gotta, you gotta double there's your, fan, there's mm-hmm. your phantasm facts from Steve mm-hmm. for the day. phantasm facts <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait for that to be a regular part of the flop house um, brought to you the, by tall boys when the tall man <laughs> wants to relax he reaches for a tall boy <laughs> uh, so the bounty hunters who are friends with uh, the family now give Brad a little space gizmo uh, Charlie wanders off with them not gizmo from gremlins though no Just is, like is he from space their woes I mean, who knows where Gizmo's from? I guess we'll find out when the Gremlins TV show eventually yeah. premieres on HBO Max. So the uh, the Gizmo starts to bleep, and uh, Brad pushes the button, and then we see the house rebuild itself. Uh, like, uh, it's basically just played backwards, but it's great. It's great. Now, and, this, uh, did, this really doesn't make any sense, because he hands it no. to him and says, call me, like it's a communicator. <laughs> then it starts uh-huh. beeping, and when he presses it, it brings the house back together. It's just... I, I guess it's magical realism. I guess this is when Gabriel Garcia Marquez was brought onto the set as the last <laughs> yeah. minute script rewrites. Yeah. But did you guys also clock how like distraught D. Wallace seemed about the house being blown up? Like, didn't like she seemed just really torn up about it. It's like I would just be happy to be alive. I think at that point, I don't like know. in that that's scenario, that's a whole house. And she's a she's a homemaker, you know. Yeah, but like yeah. she's been through a tough yeah. night. She's still got. Critter venom in her veins. Yeah, know? she's probably an actual emotional from the drugs, whatever those are. That's true. But and Chewie's and, okay, and that's yeah. What Chewie gets sucked up into the house as well, and <laughs> then we find Chewie is actually in the mailbox. It's adorable, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, at least the nightmare is over. Camera pans over to the barn. We got critter eggs, and then the critters giggle. End of movie. <laughs> and I'm like, so question: perfect. Do we set up critter eggs? at any point leading up to that moment in the no, movie. It is, ne- uh-uh. it is never mentioned that critters lay eggs. So those could be any eggs, and the critters are just laughing in about something else. Well, and, that know. was my my thinking was, they sh- did that shot of the eggs, they left it as is, and they realized, like, oh, we haven't set up these eggs. Let's put a critter laugh over top to, yeah. like, really Make sure the that. audience knows what we're looking and at. The movie, I think it's very likely. I don't know. It, it's a good, like, summary of, like, my issue, I think, with this movie where it's like they don't really know what they want to do with the critters specifically. And I feel like it's part of like the movie's tone issues and making the critters funny at one point and then kind of scary at another, making them capable, but then also making them like feral creatures. It just seemed like a lot of jumping around and a lot of, I'm sure was a lot of like too many cooks in the kitchen throwing ideas into a pot and being like, let's just make them all the things. And well, so, 
Yeah. You know what? We're there already. So let's get into the final judgments of whether we thought it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, a movie we kind of like. Look, I'm a simple man, and if you give me... Very. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you give me a movie with a bunch of small monster puppets running around, mm-hmm. I'm basically going to be happy. I think that uh, Critters... There's a reason it has uh, endured as much as it has. Like, it, it, there's like... There were... You know, this kind of thing, to some degree, was a dime a dozen, but there were a couple that pushed through because they had a little extra charm. And I would say Critters has a little extra charm. It is a little extra charm. Uh, Critters 2 is probably the stronger Critters movie. Uh, without question. Um, oh, 100%. But, I mean, uh, so there's a lot A lot is said about the work of uh, Mick Garris because he's done a lot of up and down things. But like you can tell when he, what he critters too, I remember much better when I was younger. And I think it's because he brings yeah. a, 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 another level to it that the first critters. Doesn't yeah. Have. There's a little more gleefulness in, uh, to what's going on. But anyway, I, 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 you know, I like this movie is what I have to say. Who, who else wants to weigh in? Yeah. I mean, I, I clearly like critters. Uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's something about how this, like this movie does have a lot going on and it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. But I think that for me is part of the charm. It's short. It feels kind of like the perfect like VHS movie, like this like short little thing. You get some little monsters, a couple of gags. Uh, you get some, uh, you know, like, I don't know, a lot of performers who you were like, oh yeah, I know them from something else. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Thumbs up and all the bounty hunter crap. Like I love all that stuff. I love all the monster effects. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, it's a movie I kind of like, uh, but I have to admit it is while watching it and while thinking about it afterwards, I just keep thinking about it, even if it's not a Gremlins ripoff or, you know, whatever, it, there's so much in it that I feel like Gremlins does better in terms mm-hmm. of the tone of it being both funny and scary, the monsters being kind of intelligent but also kind of beasts that that are just driven by their, you know, appetites and setting up the ha- the town and the family. Now, again, this is no – it's no insult to critters to say that it is not as good as a movie that Joe Dante and Steven Spielberg worked on, you know. <laughs> but uh, that the that, – and that has, I think, probably still what the best pu- puppet creatures I can think of in a, in a movie series, yes. at least. Those in Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Uh, so there's part of me that's like watching it and being like, oh, this is making me really want to watch Gremlins. But that being said, I agree that it's like a it's like a really good kind of like 80s VHS movie. Like it's a movie that if you're at that stage in your life where I was when I was renting 80s VHSs, when you're like an adolescent or a teen or something. And, and you've already watched some, Tremors a hundred times. You've watched Tremors. You watch Gremlins. For some reason, you watch Ghoulies before Critters, which is weird. I don't know why you would that do that. That is weird. <laughs> but uh, that it's, you know, it's totally fine. It's super short. Uh, I wish that they just, it's just, there's a, there's a bunch of things in the movie I wish they did more with, like the bounty hunters. I kept being like, oh boy, these bounty hunters. And they just don't kind of do a lot with them. But again, Critters 2 kind of, it's, it's worth skipping Critters to go straight to Critters 2, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm realizing that I was flagging a bunch of issues with this movie as we're talking about it. And, uh, don't want it to seem like I don't like this movie because I do actually really enjoy it and I have a lot of nostalgia for it. Uh, I do find it like a bit meandering at times and the like, yeah, I get hung up on like the logic of the critters. Um, <laughs> but, and, and like what Elliot was saying, it's like, it's hard not to compare it to uh, like gremlins uh, or better movies. So that definitely like uh, 
gives marks against it, but I still kind of liked it. And yeah, loved watching it as a kid. The bounty hunters kick ass. That opening scene uh, is amazing, and it's everything I like. Yeah. Um, I, I and, think the, the movie, and the critter effects are great too. So yeah, the the movie I think it, in a weird way it suffers because the opening scene promises so much. Yes, I think it over promises for sure. You think like, oh, we're gonna come back to this weird smooth uh, floaty man uh, and yeah. this like prison asteroid and it gets, the movie gets very small very quickly, uh, which think, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Do you think the movie would have been improved if the bounty hunters were like routinely checking in with a hologram of that smooth guy <laughs> and like, I mean, they're like giving him ne- like bad reports and he's getting angrier and angrier. I mean, I do like that idea. I yeah. think it would have helped. And, and yeah, like we're all basically saying the same thing that uh, critters too. Uh, I think is the superior execution of this premise. Uh, so I would definitely recommend that one first. But mm-hmm. if you got a, a beat up old VHS tape of Critters to put on an old CRT TV, uh, that is that sounds like a good night to me. So. I, I was having yeah. I was having a conversation with my wife and my oldest son about sequels that are better than the original movies. And I didn't bring up Critters, and now I'm going to have to. And then I'm going to have to explain what call, Critters call is to the, them. Call them up right now. Okay, hold on. We're recording. Let me get them into the room. <laughs> Sammy, come in. Daddy has a lesson for you. <laughs> it's, it's time for you to learn about the crites. Stop I don't want crying. you to hear about crites on the playgrounds or on the streets. I want to be the one yeah. to tell you about crites. So, so you know all the right words. I hope they've got the bread bowl. Have you seen the bread bowl at this place? Mm -hmm. Good evening. Welcome to Maximum Fun. Have you been here before? It's her first time. Very good. Might I recommend our special? Oh, please. Can I interest you in the Max Fun Drive? I'm told they're cooking up something quite extraordinary this year. I've heard about this. With limited time thank you gifts for new and upgrading members? That's right. (laughs) We'll take it. How would you like your episodes? Uh, Can I get them excellent with new Boko on the side? Oh, are there live stream events? Absolutely. You know, if you're interested in events, Meetup Day is returning. What? Oh, you're going to love Meetup Day. It's the best. Okay, let me make sure I have everything. Max Fun Drive 2023 with limited time thank you gifts, live stream events, Meetup Day, excellent episodes, and of course, new bonus content. Sounds perfect. Great. We'll get it started and it'll be ready in two weeks, March 20th. Oh, can we also get a couple of waters? Of course. Where am I? On Maximum Fun. What do you want? A podcast miniseries about The Prisoner. Whose side are you on? That would be telling, but okay, I'm on my own side. It's one of my favorite ever TV shows. We want a podcast on it. A Prisoner podcast. You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? I'm Elliot Kalin. Who is number one? Jesse Thorne. But you are John Hodgman. I am not a Prisoner podcaster. I am a free man. <laughs> are you okay? Elliot, are you all right? Okay, I'll watch it. All four episodes of V-Potting You are out now. Before we move on, I just want to mention that Maximum Fun Drive, Max Fun Drive, is uh, coming up at the end of this month. It will be Wait, Dan, what? the time when Max Fun listeners get to show their support for their favorite shows in the form of money. Yeah, the money that uh, keeps particularly me and Elliot afloat during this time when perhaps we don't have the normal career that we uh, have been relying on for a while. Uh, I cannot emphasize enough, your pledge dollars keep a roof 
over my head. Yeah. And a song in my heart. And that song goes, hey, get ready for Max Fun Drive. Dan's got an announcement right now. Yeah. So that'll be uh, the last couple of weeks of March. And we're going to do uh, a few special things for Max Fun Drive. Um, and we'll have more announcements about that coming up. But right now, I am mentioning it to get you guys to write in to the Flophouse Podcast at gmail.com. If you want us to recommend a personalized movie for you, a personalized movie recommendation from the Flophouse is what is on offer. What you have to do is email the Flophouse Podcast at gmail.com and just tell us a couple of what you think might be pertinent facts about yourself and your tastes. Don't go overboard. Maybe try to keep it to like three to five bullet points, and then we will. Uh, you know, recommend movies. We'll compete with one another, in fact, to recommend some movies for a few of those uh, listeners who write in. We probably can't accommodate everyone who might be interested, but this will be one of our minis. We'll do personalized recommendations for you, the listeners. Um, Elliot. And I want to say, we're going to be saying this a lot during the Max Fun Drive, but thank you ahead of time to all of our pledgers. Thank you during the time because you're pledging throughout the year uh, with your uh, money that supports us. Uh, but thank you ahead of time for those who will be joining or upgrading. We'll talk to you more about it during Max Fun Drive, and we'll be saying thank you a lot because it really means a lot to us. And while we are in large, 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 overwhelmingly large part supported by listeners like you, we also have a couple of sponsors, one of which uh, I will tell you a little bit right now. You've probably heard about microdosing. If not, just, hurt, just know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. You know, if you don't have experience with THC, sometimes edibles can be overwhelming. These are calculated to be just, you know, enough to make you feel a little looser, more pleasant, maybe chill out. Um, I find that for me, it's good that it. Yeah, I don't know. I just find I just feel more flexible on them. I can sometimes be a guy who gets uh, grumpy when things change, uh, and it takes me a while to to to, to turn my ship around. And yet, uh, when I have a, a microdose gummy, I feel just a little more open to the world. So, uh, microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. And use code FLOP, that's F-L-O-P, to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show's description, but again, that is microdose.com, code FLOP. Elliot, I believe you have a little more Flophouse-specific business for the listeners. You better believe it. Thanks for finishing that sentence. I wasn't sure if you were I done yet see it or if it was just a pause. <laughs> we have a live show coming up. I've been saying it on episodes, and I'm going to keep saying it till it happens, and then maybe I'll keep saying it afterwards. We'll be appearing before your very eyes if you live in Brooklyn, New York, and you are at the Bell House in Brooklyn, Sunday, April 2nd, 7.30 p.m. You don't have to live in Brooklyn. You just have to be in Brooklyn at the Bell House when we're there, and you will see us in person. Our first live show of the year will be talking about, that's right, Battlefield Earth, a longtime fan-requested favorite, the John Travolta, Forrest Whitaker, Aliens with Nose Rings and Dreadlocks epic mess that really ruined a lot of careers for a while. So that's Sunday, April 2nd, 7.30 p.m. at the Bell House in Brooklyn. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing new PowerPoint presentations beforehand. You can come ask questions and have them answered. As always, we'll be sticking around afterwards to sign merchandise and take pictures or whatever people want to do. This is your chance to breathe the same air 
and I promise we don't, we're not sick. Uh, so it's okay to breathe that air as the flop house guys and just have a good time. You know, it's time mm-hmm. to have fun again. Just America, have fun. let's have fun again. Yeah. Let's just have fun and we're going to have fun. We can promise you fun. We can't promise you that you will leave this show smarter or more enlightened, but we can promise that you'll have had a good time. So that's Sunday, April 2nd, 7.30 p.m. at the Bell House. If you want to buy your tickets ahead of time, and I recommend it because these shows almost always sold out, that's thebellhouseny.com, thebellhouseny.com. Uh, we hope to do more live shows this year, but this is the only one we have on the calendar at the moment. So if you'd like to see us live, you should come to this show. And I thank you. Daniel? All right, well, let's uh, move on to some letters from listeners. Letters. Listeners like you? Maybe if one of these letters is from you. This Only one, one way to find out, write in and tell us, did Dan read one of your letters? Uh, Knowing our backlog of letters, you'll find out in a few months, or rather we'll find out. You'll know right away when you hear Dan say it, but when you send the message to us, it'll take a while for us to read it online. Dan will probably mm-hmm. see your letter, put it in a, in a bucket somewhere on his computer, forget about it, and then pick it at the last minute before we record. Yeah. Nothing could be clearer than that. Uh, so this is... <laughs> From Matt, last name withheld, who writes, Hey, floppy boys, love what you do on the pod. Been thinking recently, for no reason, about movie or book titles and how a bad one can distract or even detract from the overall experience. Like, what's eating Gilbert great? Live, die, repeat, slash, edge of tomorrow, take your pick. Or Cinderella Man. I also have a few title pet peeves that are grinding my gears. Uh-oh. Specifically, the use you of gotta gerunds. you got to get those gears looked at. The use of gerunds as the first word. Like Finding in Jaren's Forrester, game? <laughs> Dating Private Ryan. Speaking driving Miss Daisy. Uh, uh, also the use of the word combo, the good, in the title. I.e., the good doctor, the good wife, the good bad movie, etc. But not because the good, the bad, and the ugly, yeah. which is a fantastic title and yeah. a great movie. Although, based on those other names, does that mean that, like, because normally when they say something's the good, it's like an implication that they're actually not that good. Like so good do you son. think? Yeah, do you yeah. think the good, the bad, and the ugly, they're, they actually mean the bad, the bad, and the ugly? <laughs> or the bad, the good, and the beautiful. <laughs> oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finally. Although there is a movie called The Bad and the Beautiful. So does that movie mean the good and the ugly? I got to watch these movies again. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, I'm also tired of movie titles having the same title as parts of the same franchise, i.e. Halloween, 79 and 2018. Scream, 1996 and 2022. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, take your pick, and even Rambo slash John Rambo or Rocky slash Rocky Balboa. Would The Fast and the Furious and Fast and Furious fall under that rubric also? I believe so, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Like, just put a number behind it or add the word Requiem or some shit and come up with a cooler (laughs) title. (laughs) Protocol. There's no, there's no, we're going to get to, I'm going to tell you, I guess, what what word I don't like in titles, but the word Requiem I always find hilarious because it, Never really means what, like, the, it's just that they try to class it up in some way. Yeah. yeah. Sounds fancy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> class, if you, class up those predators and those You aliens. might have also called it Alien versus Predator Overture or something like yeah. that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Requiem is a is a specifically a mourning like a song for the dead. Like, uh, uh, but how does that play? Other than the fact that they kill people, how does that play? Is it the end? No, that's of how the it species? plays. That's, no, it's like Requiem. Yeah, you know, Fast like and Requiem Furious for a dream, Requiem. You know, yeah. is uh, Requiem for no a Requiem dream. for a Dream is a title that makes hmm. sense, Dan. <laughs> no, I know, but at least in the uh, anyway. Uh, I don't like Covenant? it either. Can we throw Covenant I'm just at the saying, end of titles? It makes a little yeah. more sense than Overture, which would be like, okay, this is the thing that's going to happen before any of the story yeah, happens. Yeah, because it's like, the prologue. Like, it's, the, it's a prequel, yeah. 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 Meet the Fockers Requiem. <laughs> okay. 
Did you hear about the Morgan's Requiem? Yeah. <laughs> Wondering if you guys have any title pet peeves or bad titles for good movies that come to mind. Keep up the good work. Floppily yours, Matt. I, you know, like mine actually was said in the letter. I, the, the weird gerund thing. We didn't even talk about, uh, you, you got your, uh, what? The Saving Silverman and mm-hmm. your Feeling Minnesota. Feeling Minnesota. What a dumb title. What does that mean? That I'm feeling. Never having seen Minnesota. it, I can't tell you. <laughs> is it uh, an attitude that I have? Like I, I'm feeling kind of Minnesota today, or is it telling me? Is it about? Have you seen the movie? Feeling Maybe Minnesota. Did we wander into movie. Dan's tight five on Minnesota? Minnesota. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just feeling the ground. <laughs> I mean, who's with me? Who here works out? You, Stu. You look like you work out. Oh yeah. You ever I notice do. how yeah, at yeah. the gym there's? I'm feeling Minnesota's always playing on this little. TVs. I don't know about that. The Jaren thing doesn't bother me that much. I like being John Malkovich as a title. I like Saving Private Ryan as a title. Like I like that it is what they're what they're doing is they're telling you this story. You're gonna you're gonna experience it. It isn't something that happened and it's over and we and uh, it's history. This is something that is alive. This is a living thing. You, you picked know? a couple of the better examples of it. I think that I guess, but I do, guess that you do point out that the problem with something like Feeling Minnesota is more the meaninglessness of it than the yes. inherent uh, quality of the, like, the articles like, of speech. Exactly. Used. Or like Finding Forrester when really that movie should have been called Who's the Man Now, Dog? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got anything, Stuart? Or? I mean, I hate it anytime they try and uh, put in a name for comedic effect, like I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Uh, but I, I guess I just hate that name because that movie sucks. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm a big. This is after be, after defending gerunds. This might seem hypocritical, but I'm a really I'm tired of the word rise in movie titles. Ooh, that was going to be mine. That's was what that I was going to bring I up. feel oh, it's a word that so much. Yeah, it, and it often means nothing. It's not really. Expl- it does not the thing. Are you, it's, are are you, you telling the rise of Taj? <laughs> yeah. Are you Ooh. telling me uh, Taj the the rise? in the previous movie or <laughs> that, like, that, or that whenever a sequel has rise in it and it's like so. The last time was not when they rose to prominence. Yeah. Like now, like the Dark Knight Rises is not Ooh, a start. I feel that's like that the kicked worst it off. One to me. That 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 kicked off, and that was the worst one. But like that, GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra is about the downfall of Cobra, and mm-hmm. the rise yeah. of Skywalker is a meaningless phrase. Like it's a, there's only one movie where I like the title Rise, and that's the David LaChapelle dance documentary Rise about the history of crumping, uh, where you just see a lot of crump and clown dancing. But uh, the- Challenge accepted. I'm going to find the title one. That, what about, it's, wait, is uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, is that one of them? That one. That's one of them, but it oh, also it, doesn't- it's, yeah. it, When you've already had, because Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I think comes before Rise of the Planet of the Apes, right? Yeah, which, or, yeah, yeah, wait. I thought it was uh, Rise, Dawn, War. Minions, oh, maybe the yes. Rise of yes, which is kind of wild. That's a but wild then, in choice. That case, Dawn, Do you think Rise Dawn would should, happen first? Then, yeah, Rise should be Dawn, and Dawn should be Rise. It's just it's that it's a word that is used without much paying attention to the meaning of it, the word Rise. It it feels yeah. like a like last minute decision made by a bunch of studio execs sitting yes. around a board, like especially Dark Knight Rises, where they're like, "Okay, Dark Knight, we did this cool thing where we came up with a title that wasn't just Batman," and so you know they're all riding high on that, and they're like, "Well, we need to do that again, but how do we do it?" And it's like, you know, Friday at four o'clock and they got to deliver something. So they're like, well, let's just do Dark Knight again and throw Rises. <laughs> well, like, how are people going to know it's a Batman movie if it doesn't have Batman yeah. or Dark Knight in the title? I mean, the fact that it's the same star and the same director and he's in a bat costume. I mean, yeah. how are people going to know? Yeah. I, I just discovered a title from 2022, uh-huh. which is 
Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles colon the movie. <laughs> now, <laughs> what? Maybe it's based on the novel, I guess. I, yeah. I guess there was a, maybe some pre-existing material called Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that they're going off of, or like I don't know, and, but, but it's also I think crazy. part of it is it, it is a it is a no. The original title was just Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So somewhere along the line, oh, I see. Someone came along, came. No, no, no. That's the official title, the 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 one with the movie. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not at arguing some with you. Point, it's okay. <laughs> some some producer Dan, was like, "Dan, I'm not I'm not going to see you because Anna de Armas wasn't in the title the first time." We yeah. okay. Throw the movie in there to make it clear to everyone. Well, we as yeah. we talked about on the podcast before, the same thing happened to Hot Dog, where they yeah. were like, "We can't have people showing up at the theater expecting to buy free buy hot dogs yeah, and get free hot dogs." Yeah, this is a restaurant. Hot dog. Yeah, yeah. Specialty. I will say. That's the thing that I miss is having stuff being designated as the motion picture or the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, it's, I don't know, it's just classy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classes it up a it. little bit. The, yeah, it's, it's, it's also funny how like the ty- <laughs> the uh, the numeral with a, using a Roman numeral at the end of a title was also a way to like class it up. And then yeah. they were yeah. like, eh, that's, we'll just use a number. And eh, we're not even going to use numbers anymore. Well, maybe we'll stick the number in a word. And it's like, you had something yeah. so beautiful. You could have used yeah. those Roman numerals forever. You know, yeah. Phantasm for Oblivion with their yeah. mm-hmm. Roman numeral Perfect. four in it. Exactly. Yeah. The Super Bowl Seamless. understands. They're like, how do we class up this thing where a bunch of guys just slam into each other and get real brain injuries that destroy their lives forever? We'll just put a Roman numeral on it. Oh yeah, classy. Great. Now it's an American mm-hmm. institution. Yeah. I just have one more thing about that letter. Yeah. It's funny that they mention what's eating Gilbert Grape because I was just complaining about that title yesterday. Uh, I find it very annoying. I don't know why. I've never seen the movie. Because but you expect I, you expect it's going to be that a ghoulie is going to jump out of the toilet yeah, and take a bite out of him. Butts. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it, I'm sure it doesn't deliver on that. It wasn't until years later that the full my full hatred of the title Goodwill Hunting bloomed because at the time I just sort of accepted it, and then somewhere along the line I'm like, wait a minute, no, wait, his name is <laughs> Will Hunting, and he's good, and, and he's good, and he's so hunting good for goodwill Will hunting, but he's also hunting for goodwill. This movie. Won a fucking Oscar for best but it screenplay. Did, it did win the Oscar for best <laughs> yeah. title. Yeah, I, mean, I know, but they well, they made the decision to Dan, write that can screenplay. I ask you a, and and put nothing's that eating title them, on it, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, Dan, can I ask you a question? <laughs> it doesn't Do count as like a gerund, though. That's the thing because it's his name. Oh, sorry, Stuart, yeah. what were you saying? I was just asking Dan if he likes apples, and then I was going to hold up a mm-hmm. uh, a, a poster <laughs> that says Academy Award winning. <laughs> Yeah. For title, Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> and I'd say, how do you like these apples? And then Dan would be like, fuck. I don't I'd, yeah, really like normal apples all that much as fruit goes. Then I would go wow. drink a like shitload of donkey particular Whoa. apples either. Just the answer would have been no, apples. I don't like those I mean, apples. Am I the only one? I haven't seen Goodwill Hunting since I saw it in the theaters when it came out. But I remember it being a very good movie. Like I remember being I a good liked movie. it just fine. I thought it yeah. was good. Yeah. But I just... You know, years later, I'm like, what a fucking stupid title. It is a dumb title, but I mean, can you consider it was the directorial debut of Stevie Van Zandt? Like, he's got this amazing career as a musician, and then he decides to make a— Hold on, let me do some Uh, research. Hold on. Oh, oh, never mind. I see what you're doing. Never mind, it's a different Van Zandt. Sorry, I spell differently and pronounce differently, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. A totally different name. Um, So, uh, one more letter from listeners, a specific listener— this one's uh, Not all the listeners in together, <laughs> together for a class action letter named Tony. Uh, one of the spellings from Tony, Tony, Tony. I'll let you decide which one. Okay. Um, we it, a letter from a Mr. Tony T. Tiger. <laughs> uh, Tony writes, "Hey Peaches, I recently discovered your podcast and have been working my way through the back catalog in between new episodes. Thank mm-hmm. you for listening. Anywho, 
Here's my entry for the freeform contest described in episode 20, 10,000 BC. <laughs> I told my mom about the flop house, and we listened to the first episode together. When I asked her what she thought, she said, I hope the levels get better because I couldn't hear that one guy. I told her that the levels do eventually get better, but she seemed skeptical. So I'm not sure that the Flophouse has gained another loyal listener, but you can add one more listen to episode one. Thank you for your consider consideration. ROC came to the USA. Now, I can only assume that back in those days, we were encouraging people to listen to those episodes. Now, I would like to discourage them. Uh, uh, we were stupider. Elliot wasn't on the show. <laughs> yeah, which meant you guys uh, were much stupider. Oh, boy. The sound <laughs> was bad. Like, you wouldn't have to reassure your mom that the sound would get better if you just played her one from a recent— I mean, maybe his mom is a big fan of stealth. It's and a, that's why they yeah. had to listen to I mean, that. That's, that we should make gender Josh pronouns uh, assumptions anyway, but it is it is Tony with an I, so I don't—anyway. I anyway. I, I solved the mystery that I said before about uh -huh. Tony, Tony, Tony. Yeah, that makes oh, sense. Was it, so it's too late for me to guess and win the contest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, if you win the contest, you get to decide uh, what movie we cover on the Flophouse. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, stealth? Have we done that one? Oh, right. Wait, one. I what? guess I'll go listen to it. You can go back to that. Yeah, um, it, it, uh, this is just a word of advice. Uh, if you want to share the Flophouse with somebody, I would say please do. Please help spread the word. You know, we've been doing this for a long time, but we're going to keep doing it. So you might as well help us out with it. But don't maybe don't go to the earliest episodes. And we live in fear of it tanking because by yes. now it's an important part of our income. So. Very much so. And our self-worth. Yeah. Let's, not, let's not deny Phew. that. Uh, well, yeah, it. okay. Uh, Stuart yeah. is now in a, in, a, in a real turnaround. Stuart is the, <laughs> I'm doing my heel turn in this episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm, with I'm in thriving, mode. Yeah, now that main thri business and thriving vice magnate Stuart Wellington doesn't need a podcast anymore. But but uh, they, now now that he's he's made a deal with the Colombians, right? Yeah, I just mm -hmm. I just keep chasing my magazine dreams over here, trying to get <laughs> bigger and dreams. bigger and wider. Ever since you saw Younger, you've wanted, you've wanted to get into the publishing world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what that movie's about, Magazine Dreams. Um, oh, okay. That's the thing that we do after letters is yeah, we do make we do? recommendations oh, of movies shit. that we've seen. Uh, usually recently, doesn't have to be. I'm going to say one that I saw recently, though. I was in, the, in Manhattan. Dealing Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes when you have a flexible schedule and uh, you live in— New York, which is uh, New York City, is made up of five boroughs, guys, and mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of stories, a bunch of people whining about whenever they have to go to a different borough. So, like, that's me in this story, me who lives in Brooklyn, having to go into Manhattan for a couple of doctor's appointments, and so I built a whole mm -hmm. day around it, which included some uh, some free time, time to yeah, kill. Yeah, because it's going to take you a, a few hours on your horse you, to get to. Are you recommending Manhattan time to kill? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm recommending no time to die. No, I am recommending. I went to the Draft House, Lower Manhattan, and I saw a rep screening of uh, Twin Peaks: Firewalk with Me, a movie that I rejected uh, when it first was out, as many people did who wanted more of the Twin Peaks they'd seen on their televisions, and that was horrifying. <laughs> uh, Sadness. Yeah, that, you wanted more of the James Hurley goes off on his own and gets in a murder mystery, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> we all wanted. Um, but it's a movie that now, I mean, certainly with the return and also just with time and knowing what to expect out of it, I don't have the same like preconceived uh, notion problems with it, and I can see it for what it is, which is a movie that I'll be honest, like there's stuff in it I still am not as wild about as other Lynch movies. I think it goes a little 
hard into his tendency for like, let's just uh, throw some stuff on here that's not going to be explained at the beginning of the movie. But I did, I do think that it's a movie that really centers the character of Laura, gives uh, Cheryl Lee a lot to play. It's a very sad movie about horrific trauma. So it's not like a movie that's fun to watch, but it is interesting how it takes, you know, like this character from Twin Peaks who prior to this was just sort of a motivating factor, kind of the stereotypical like dead girl that picks everything off and puts her at the center of her own story and uh, gives some sort of catharsis to that. And, uh, you know, it, there was utter silence in the theater after it ended, <laughs> um, which I think. You were expecting people to cheer and, yeah, to, and make, toss homemade <laughs> confetti. Anyway, Merry Christmas, of, you wonderful old Twin Peaks fire walk with me. <laughs> kind of in the middle of my personal like Lynch rankings, but still, I mean, he's a genius, so it's that's still saying something. What's bottom? What's the bottom of your Lynch rank rankings? Uh, well, I mean, I don't think it's fair to Inland Empire, which I didn't really give a fair shake. I just kind of like was like, I can't watch this, and I turned it off. Uh, maybe if I saw it in the theater, I would like it better. Okay. But um. I, you know, I know that you love uh, Wild, at, Wild Heart. at Heart. I cannot get through Wild at Heart. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it. it only won the Palm Door. I mean, I know. Well, <laughs> I don't have to agree with the can. I mean, that's the, I mean, like they've never like, got it wrong, Dan. I mean, like Titane won the Palm Door, right? And that was one that yeah. it wasn't didn't quite work for me. So I get it. Oh, okay. Well, I know you loved it. Guess I'm talking to babies on this podcast. <laughs> this, is, this is the segment where we shit on movies that Stuart loves and the Cannes Film Festival oh, also God. loved. Our guest is Owen Gleiberman, and he's <laughs> here to complain about bones and all. Uh, hey, I'm gonna hey. Re- I'm gonna recommend another sloppy gore fest. That's right. I'm gonna recommend sloppy before- gore fest. Sounds like a horror movie host for kids. <laughs> yeah, sloppy gore fest. I'm recommending a movie from 1995 titled Before Sunset or Before Sunrise. Uh, <laughs> written, written and directed by Richard Linklater, starring Ethan Hawke and Julie oh, yeah. Delpy. Wall to wall blood. Wall to wall blood on that one. Sloppy strap on your barf bags. Uh, yeah, I, this is a movie that. <clears throat> Strap them on. Just strap we do them. have a nurse. Don't worry. We have a nurse in the I lobby guess. for tonight's screening of Before Sunrise. <laughs> if your hands get too weak from vomiting, you'd want them strapped on. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't want to get barf on your hands. <laughs> you, your hands aren't on the inside of the bag. You hold the bag for both sides. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, you're going to have to draw your barf bag design yeah. for me before yeah. I back it because this is our episode of Shark Tank. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm going to recommend this movie. Uh, it's a movie that I missed years ago, uh, and I don't know why, like, I feel like Richard Linklater is one of the best at doing just, like, hangout movies, and I feel like this is no different. Uh, it really captures the feel of being, like, young and in love and in Vienna, which uh, I was living in Vienna around the time of this movie. Uh, and, yeah, it's great. I loved it. Uh, recommend if... Uh, I recommend if you, uh, you know, you're kind of a romantic or you just want to see young Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to see that? I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> old, give me an answer. I need Hawk. to know. I need to know. <laughs> Maybe old Ethan Hawke would look at it and be like, oh, my lost youth. 
That makes sense. Because I have pictures of young Ethan Hawke. I have just enough for everyone in the United States except for one person. So I need to figure okay. out who to not oh, send one to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he probably already has a bunch of them too. Yeah, so. yeah probably his family has some and his, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Anyway, I'm going to recommend a movie too. Uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend <laughs> another, 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 another extremist splatter fest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I'm going to recommend the movie Girlfriends from 1978. Uh, uh-huh. This is a uh, kind of slice of life Um you know, street-level view comedy drama directed by Claudia Weil, uh, written by Vicky Plon. And uh, there's a it stars Melanie Mayron as a a young woman who is at that point in her life where she needs to start kind of taking her life seriously and figuring out what she was doing. She wants to be a photographer. She's mostly a bar, bar mitzvah and wedding photographer because she can't get her career together. Her roommate has just left her in order to get married, and she has to face the fact that what does she want in her life? Does she want to be by herself or does she want to be with other people? And I really liked it a lot. It's a very, I, I was mentioning it to a friend of mine and she described it as being kind of like Francis Ha for that time period, which I think it's it's very similar. Uh, it has a similar sort of episodic structure. Uh, and there's a lot of actors in small roles that are like Eli Wallach is in it. He's really good. Young Christopher Guest and young Bob Balaban show up. So if you ever wanted mm-hmm. to see Bob Balaban as like, the hunky young husband of a character. Mm, like I that's do, yeah. something you don't get to see too much. Uh, and I thought uh, it was just, it's both a kind of gentle and sweet movie, but also a real feeling movie. And took me back to periods in my life when I was younger where it's like, oh yeah, when I was newly married and my friends would come over who were not married, like the kind of, those the awkwardness of those moments that I hadn't thought about in a long time, that our lives were different now. Uh, and it's just, it's really good. Uh, and it's on the Criterion channel right now. If you're listening to this during a time when it's still on the Criterion channel. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and try it out. Or it's also on HBO Max in their yeah. Criterion section. Try it Again, out on HBO Max so that yeah. HBO Max doesn't cut it from their service. Or yeah. or maybe it's when you watch it, they cut it from your service because they have to pay for it. I'm not sure. Anyway, anywho. So uh, that's Girlfriends. Steven. Wow. Three very classy recommendations. Uh, I'm going to have to disrupt this. Uh, by recommending Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. Uh, I don't know uh, if you guys have ever heard of Tubi, uh, but it is the (laughs) ultimate streaming service uh, that is basically a late 90s, early 2000s video store uh, in streaming form. Uh, So Ghoulies Go to College is readily available on there. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a movie of its time. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff in it that probably wouldn't fly now. I mean, it's typical, like, college hijinks. Um, people pulling pranks on each other, uh, though in this movie they're called Yanks. Uh, so I thought that was a very clever <laughs> bit of uh, world well, building that they do. Pranks Yanks? Because that could explain why. <laughs> uh-huh. What about what about Manx? What, are any yeah. Manx Yanks? Is the Manx crank Yanked? I think a man comes out of the toilet at one point. But, uh, I mean, this okay. stars, you know, this is also a classy, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a classy movie because it's got uh, Kevin McCarthy from Invasion of the Body Snatchers as the professor who brings yeah. those ghoulies back. Yeah, well, and he was just like the quintessential bad guy, like kind of comedy bad guy in that era, right? So, like, I don't know. I just think it's a super fun movie. Uh, it's directed by John Beekler, uh, who did. Uh, Jason, uh, was it part seven? Is it New Blood? Ooh, part seven's a fave of mine. Yeah, Uh, so he's a effects artist turned director. And uh, yeah, I'm like really deep in the little monster genre right now 
because of this movie I'm prepping. And so, yeah, I've been watching basically everything that's available. And uh, I've watched Ghoulies Go to College a few times now. It is uh, thoroughly entertaining. It's a fun ride. Lots of laughs. Lots of fun creatures. Uh, highly recommend it. Now, speaking of being an effects artist director, is there anything you would like to plug uh, before we all go away? I mean, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Forever. I, I have not officially. <laughs> I have not officially announced this movie yet, so maybe this will be like kind of a soft announcement right here. Uh, Whoa, a flop some, hot, some hot news for you guys. Very rare uh, for us. But, yeah, this is yeah. like when uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda was on My Brother, My Brother and Me mm-hmm. was like, yeah, I'm working on this thing about rapping presidents and they're like, good luck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, I'm in prep right now on another feature film. Uh, it's called Frankie Frico and uh, it's basically uh like pitch it to you this way. Have you ever watched a late eighties, early nineties erotic thriller and thought, I Am wish I? this had I wish I wish this had more ghoulies in it. And that's the <laughs> Yes, movie. I can say yes. Yeah. yeah. I think, so, I think yeah, what you just described is what Dan fervently wished for as a child every night as he prayed yeah. Yeah. to God before going to bed. So yeah, it's basically a guy, uh yuppie in his house being terrorized by little monsters for eighty minutes. It's very much right. uh my love letter to uh, the exact kind of movie we've been talking about today. So yeah, this timed and, out and perfectly. I think you you showed me some of the what some of the concept work on this. Oh yeah, yeah. There's so, uh, it looks incredible. There's some pretty wild creatures in this. There's some uh, yeah full creature suits. I'm deep in teaching myself uh, animatronics right now. <laughs> awesome. Uh, because how I approach making movies is I just kind of dive in head first and I'm like, oh yeah. I, I'll figure this out, and now I'm stuck with the task of figuring it out. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how it pans out. But I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Go to camera April third. Uh, yeah, that's so great. Uh, obviously, you haven't recommended you you haven't plugged it, but obviously everyone should go watch Psycho Goreman. Not just because Steve made it; and it's great, but also because I have a very small vocal role in it, and <laughs> you guys love me, right? You yeah. want to support me? <laughs> well, and yeah. support me. Yeah, and I, I mean, okay. And like, who knows? Maybe uh, I'll enlist your guys' vocal talents uh, in this project if you're support us. <laughs> I, <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, okay, so <laughs> the thing that's great about this podcast is that it's on the Maximum Fun Network. Oh, and it's very soon we're going to be it. doing our pledge drive. The Max Fun Drive's coming up. Uh, get excited, folks, because we are excited too. We got some cool mm-hmm. stuff planned. Um, uh, do we? Oh yeah! Obviously, this show is going to be heavily edited and made perfect and great sounding by Alexander Smith. He's the best. You can find him doing a variety of different things under the name Howell Doughty. Uh, Some of them legal. Some of them questionable. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I don't endorse everything he does. Uh, I for the flop house. I've been Stuart Wellington. I've been Dan McCoy. Happy to not be doing this part of it. I'm the rise of Elliot Kalen. And I'm Steve Kostansky, remembering to say his name uh, at the end of the podcast. Like Nailed you told it. You, you did, right. <laughs> you Nailed did. it. Nothing but name. <laughs> Bye. And just to let you know, Steve, we record the Zoom video as well because we use it to, like, do promotional clips. I'm assuming you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask, am I allowed to get a screenshot of this? Uh, yeah, this, yeah. Oh, please. You know, sure. when, uh-huh. time, when times are dark, I can look at this and feel good. <laughs> I know exactly what Elliot's going to do. Yeah, yeah just, just yeah, me and, and my best friends. <laughs> and Dan knows what I'm going to say, which is please just let us know so that, because Dan has a habit of, of <laughs> tweeting out screenshots where I'm like this. <laughs>
Well, no, but <laughs> if Dan and Stu are both like. In your defense, that's kind of how your face always looks. Because I'm talking most of the time. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking most of the time. So Dan knows to take a picture during the 90% of the podcast that's me. I'm never, I've already told him several times I'm sorry and I won't do it anymore. And yet. So now I'm making sure that our guest, our esteemed guest, Mm -hmm. understands that that's my rider for any photograph. Yeah. So I could just do it right now. Yeah. Like three, two, one. Nice. Perfect. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.